As you might have known, the first one is the building of two new universities, Chair, as announced by the president, which is the University of Science and Innovation, which will be built in Uruleni, and another one for crime detection in Hammanskra. I also do want to say that I, I will be assigning uh, my advisor, Professor Derek Swartz, to particularly lead the project on the establishment of the new University of Science and Innovation. Of course, supported by the department, the university education branch, which will also take up then the issue of the, university, the new university in Hammanskra. The second uh, project that I'm, I'm, I'm also very passionate about, uh, Chair, is that over the next 10-year period, we are planning to develop what at least three of what we call education precincts across the country, now in support of the district development model recently approved by cabinet. The first step will be the Imbali Education Project, and I am in the process of appointing a project manager for that, where we actually, these precincts, have got a multiplicity of education institutions in one place. And therefore, wanting to have all these institutions having a relationship to each other. For example, the Imbali Education Precinct has got a school for the disability, has got ECD and preschool institutions, has got a campus of the University of Technology, has got a campus of a, of a Tivet college, and has got two high schools, one of which is a technical high school, which we are saying this is an opportunity to actually make these institutions to talk to each other. And in addition to just these education institutions, I also want to locate, and this is in a township, to also locate what we call technology parks, as well some others, as, as well as some other science and innovation initiatives, even including the possibility as we move forward of innovation hubs. The other matter, uh, uh, Chair, which I think the Portfolio Committee, I just need to uh, make yourselves to be aware of, which is also a, a big priority, is, is effective coordination of integrated infrastructure development within the post-school education and training. We are planning to build massive infrastructure over the next 10 years. And what I then want to do with this is that I am now reassigning all infrastructure coordination within the department to the Department of Planning so that the Department of Planning, which services the rest of the other branches, the branch of planning is able to be the one that actually focuses its attention on this. But also given the significance on, on post-school infrastructure, especially student accommodation, I'm also appointing a ministerial advisory committee on infrastructure. In short, it will be called that with the uh, acronym MACI. If you like, you can read it as MACI, 
which in Singuni means a builder. I am very much concerned that we need to systematically, and I want to pay closer attention to this, pay attention to, uh, we want to, 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 to approach the issue of infrastructure in a, in a much more systematic way. Also, I am still very much preoccupied, Chair, about addressing the situation of in historically disadvantaged institutions. In particular, to strengthen institutional management and governance systems there, improving institutional infrastructure and facilities, enhancing effective staff recruitment, development and retention, strengthening the academic enterprise, as well as leveraging locality and communities in which these institutions are located. I must also say, Chair, that I've also asked, this is not just, much as this task is led by the DHET, but I've also asked the Department of Science and Innovation to also pay particular attention on the development of our historically disadvantaged institutions. I want to say this, and I know that this is the first time maybe I'm saying it in public. I'm getting more and more interested, amongst other things, Chair, in artificial intelligence. And I've just done a survey of what are our institutions, our universities doing on this front in terms of research and so on. I must say the story I've seen, I'm not happy at all. You have a network around the Center for Artificial Intelligence Research. They've been doing some good work, let me concede. But I was horrified that it's largely five institutions and all of them your former white universities in South Africa. This is completely unacceptable. Ideally for me, there should be Center for Artificial Intelligence as this is the future in each of our 26 institutions. So the, the, the issue of the marginalization continuously of our historically disadvantaged institutions in many things that are important for today going into the future is something that is important. And also urge the two committees to leave no stone unturned to actually hold us to account because these are institutions that at the moment are servicing the poorest of your students mainly from the rural areas, and they just cannot be left behind. 26 years into our democracy, we have to change this. The other thing, Chair, that I just need to say quickly is what I committed to at the beginning of the year, that I want to address the issue of the missing middle. I am moving there. I've just started getting some informal discussions uh, with a variety of institutions and I want to now start a formal process to come up with a plan, working with the private sector, obviously, on how to support a, a, an affordable loan system for students in the missing middle. I'm also going to be using this year, Chair, to also review the National Skills Fund. National Skills Fund, I want to look into its efficiency, its operations and relevance regarding the country's national skills priorities. And this is going to be even more important 
with what is clearly going to be rising unemployment, especially amongst the youth, and sluggish economic growth, if not a depression in our economy. Before then I end, uh, I don't know whether uh, the, the officials on the committees are able to help me to actually load these two slides titled Provision of Digital Devices. Maybe if, if they can, but Chair, if you allow me so that we don't waste time, just allow me to go through these slides very, very quickly. Because this is an issue now that on the 30th of April, I did announce that we're going to be providing digital devices to NESFA students. And I want to say this so that I just give you an idea of where we are. We have not reached the stage I would like to reach, us to reach. And uh, I have said to the department, this actually is something that we need to speed up as quickly as possible. Now, on this chair, I just want to talk to this myself, that all NESFAS funded students that are registered at our public universities in 2020, as well as our TVET colleges, will have access to an appropriate digital device to support them to complete the 2020 academic year. But we will provide these ones, provided that they have not already received one through their institutions, because some institutions have already indicated to us that they had already started the process, especially universities, in fact, it's only universities, to give certain categories of students, NESFAS and other categories of students who are deserving uh, some gadgets. So we don't want to give some students two gadgets at the same time. As many of these institutions have got their existing schemes to provide laptops or tablets. For example, some of these institutions would include University of KwaZulu-Natal, University of Joburg, Johannesburg, Univen, Svago, uh, sorry, Solplight University, and the National Mandela University. We are collecting information. By the end of the weekend, we will be having all the information on what the status in each of our 26 universities is because all these mechanisms will be put in place at institutional level to ensure that these devices can be made available. But also we do need to point out, as I did in my press briefing, that we may not, and we are possibly not going to be able to give devices to students, NESFA students, all at the same time, because the issue of the availability of these devices is also a challenge as well. We are working with all our institutions on the reprioritization of funds that can be utilized to support purchase of digital devices for students who need them. NESFA students who wish to access the devices through their institutions will do so on the basis of an agreement that the cost of the device will be offset against their learning material allowance for 2021. We are developing a policy also based on what 
the, the various universities have done on how these devices are to be acquired. Our plan is that these devices should not be free, but they should be charged against resources assigned for learning so that the students can own these devices and be able to take responsibility for them. It's not something that is free. They know if they lose these, it's their own responsibility to then attend to that. We want them to own it. Although the specifications that we are going to be wanting is that uh, they must be able to be traceable, ideally, so as to minimize theft and other losses. Just the last three points, Chair, uh, then I, 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 I end. It's that we are aware that it's not only NESFA students who require these devices. Whilst we cannot commit for what we call the missing middle, we are aware of this and we've made institutions aware of this. Now, our approach has been that we want to procure these devices centrally. That is why today I have caused to be instructed the DG of DHT. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm writing a letter today to the Minister of Finance uh, to give me permission and allow us to call for expression of interest, hopefully as early as before the end of next week, for those who can be able to provide these devices. For TVET colleges, we are acquiring them centrally. For universities, we are also recommending that they be acquired centrally, but where institutions feel that they've already started giving them out, or they think it's better that they provide them separately, we will be willing to agree to that, provided we are convinced that their own individual institutions' plan are in line with our planning. Chair, I want to say this, that the reason why we are suggesting centralized procurement where we can is, is, is because of economies of scale. But secondly, we don't want also a situation, which is normally the case, by the way, in government, that at one level we acquire laptops for 5,000 rand, and in some institutions, we are told that each laptop was 30,000 rand. And also that we actually have situations that lead to enormous delays in acquisition and, and distribution of these gadgets. But we will be able to provide feedback as we move along. All what I want to say is that starting today with the letter from the Minister of Finance, which then is going to be copied to the two DGs of Treasury and Higher Education and Training so that we are able to move with speed on this score. With those words, Chairperson, uh, then allow me uh, to actually ask uh, the department to start with the presentation on saving the academic year. Uh, and then we are able to move. Thank you very much for your indulgence, Chair, and honorable members.
Okay, thanks, thanks, uh, Honorable Minister. I've lost my video. Yeah, um, yeah. Let the department present so that way. By the time you leave, you should have answered some of the questions that the members will ask. Or yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I think the presentation is the one on the saving the academic year. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Uh, can you go ahead, die then Aruna, in respect to Tibet colleges? Okay, go ahead. Um, I have a, I have a very weak reception, so just go ahead. I'm able. Okay, fine, uh, Minister. I'll I'll start. Is 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 the university education one first? Yeah, so, so really in terms of university education, um, we have put together a risk-based plan to save the 2020 academic year and at the same time save lives. So there is scenario planning that is going on across the, the system um, with different possible end dates for the academic year depending on the trajectory of the pandemic. Um, these are, are various different dates um, and depending on when we are able to get back onto campuses full time in level one of the lockdown, um, these either any of these end of year dates may be possible. So, so for example, if you're able to get back onto campuses by the 1st of um, August, or the 1st of uh, September or the 1st of July, with all students in lockdown, um, it will be possible to finish at those specific um, end dates. We are looking at 27 days of, con uh, 27 weeks of contact teaching and learning um, after the campuses are fully opened. Um, from June the 1st, as Minister had already um, announced, all institutions will have remote, multimodal, flexible teaching and learning plans in place, and those will be um, uh, supported by approved resource plans. That that is going to uh, some institutions obviously have already started teaching and learning, but by the first of June, all institutions will be um, uh, delivering teaching and learning through these modalities. During level four of the lockdown, which is where we are now, um, we are phasing in the return of final year undergraduate students in programs requiring clin clinical training. Um, that has started already with the medical students, the MBCHB students coming back onto campuses, and that's um, the first set of students uh, started on the 11th of May. The um, institutions were preparing campuses and the clinical training platforms um, from the 1st of May. Um, when we move into level two and three and two of um, the risk-adjusted strategy, we'll be phasing in further groups of students, both undergraduate and postgraduate, based on sets of national criteria that we're putting in place to ensure controlled return. And, and this is really important because the social distancing and other protocols um, must be in place to support students and staff health and safety. Um, we have a small team that's working on the criteria. We've received um, 
specific ideas from various uh, stakeholder groups around how we should be thinking about this. For example, other years of clinical training, students who require laboratory work, um, students who require specific kinds of equipment that is on, on campuses, um, and so on. But there are a whole range of different criteria that we'll be looking at. The idea would be that during level three, we would bring back possibly a maximum of 30%, 33%, a third of the, the, um, the students. Uh, and then in level two, we'd move up to possibly about 66%. And then in level one, it would be all students returning. Um, in terms of uh, the return in level one, we would still need to have 27 weeks of contact teaching to ensure that all the students who may not have had um, uh, sufficient access to teaching and learning opportunities uh, during the lockdown period are effectively assisted um, to complete the academic year and that uh, assessments can take place. Can we move to the next slide, please? Um, in terms of progress towards um, the, the plans for the academic year, there have been two surveys, very detailed surveys that have been done with um, institutions thus far. The first one, um, we've asked for information on various types of um, aspects, specifically linked to data, devices, connectivity, and the um, remote uh, teaching and learning plans that institutions were putting in place. At that time, many of those plans were quite um, rudimentary, but there were 12 institutions that had spent the time during lockdown putting in very detailed responsive plans. We had four institutions that had plans in place but still required some work, and 10 institutions that required um, intensive work in order to improve their plans to become um, effective. So we've sent out after the ministers um, um, after the ministers' media briefing and statement on 30th of April, um, and a second survey to provide to get information on specific and challenges that the universities were facing due to the conditions, and specifically to really get better information of those institutions that required support so that we could understand what is required. Um, we, these um, specific uh, uh, surveys provided us with a lot of information and we've identified four broad areas for support. Specifically, the first one is the issues, devices, data, connectivity, um, learning support uh, platforms, etc. The second, implementation of alternative flexible teaching and learning modalities. Um, the third one, how we phase in the return to students and staff um, and campus issues. Issues like ensuring that there are isolation facilities, ensuring that there are uh, uh, PPEs for students and staff, um, ensuring protocols for social distancing, environmental cleaning, etc. And then the last one um, is really uh, institutions' concerns around financial stability into the future, given the unknown aspects of the current pandemic and the effects of the pandemic on, on um, 
uh, teaching, learning, research, and uh, the ability of uh, institutions to um, implement all of these different aspects that have come up during the emergency. Um, next slide, please. So in terms of the flexible multi, um, multimodal teaching and learning plans that we're busy working on now, um, we've got a, a set of timelines here just to indicate that we started with the, um, the draft framework document and template for multimodal teaching and learning plans. And that was done between the 1st and 5th of May. Um, we then held meetings to discuss and orientate universities to this framework um, and the template. And we held meetings with 19 different universities um, by the 8th of May, and we concluded with having met with all 26 universities by the, um, the 12th of May. I think uh, one of the important things to, to um, emphasize here is that um, the department uh, has, in terms of the, the um, concept document, um, discussed with all universities certain principles that needed to be put in place when packaging plans for, for the submission um, to the department. Um, the first uh, aspect that was really important was that we needed to understand that we had to deal with the issue of completing the academic year while at the same time ensuring safety. Um, that we know that the academic year could be extended into 2021 and so their plans had to show how they would handle it given the different scenarios that were possible and that um, they Given the, given the um, idea that we may even have to go until the end of September before we can bring all students back onto campuses, we needed to get a clear indication from each institution how they were planning to manage those processes. The issue of ensuring a fair opportunity for all students to complete their teaching and learning programs and to be assessed fairly was a critical one for us to um, consider. And we've asked all institutions in their plans to ensure that they um, provide information on how they would support through their plans um, different groups of students uh, that, that are um, in their institutions. And, and here we've identified um, specific groups. The first group are students who really are unable to work effectively under home-based lockdown conditions for a range of various reasons, what is the plan for them? For example, it could be that these students are identified and when they return to campus um, for contact, there's a very intensive program that is done specifically with these students to ensure that they are able to um, have a, a good chance of succeeding. Um, the next group of students are students who do not have access to devices and so can't really engage in any form of electronic or digital learning, but require support for teaching and learning through other forms, for example, analog, printed material, etc. What are institutions doing about them? The next group are those group of students who may have devices, but do not have access to data or connectivity to enable participation in online, um, online learning opportunities, but could engage in digital learning with locked if electronic material is made available. So what are institutions doing about them? 
The next one are the students who are probably not in the majority across our system, and certainly in some institutions very much in the minority, are those who have devices, data, connectivity and conducive um, study conditions and can participate in um, online modalities. So all of these groups have to be dealt with in the plans. And then the last group of students, which we think is really important for institutions to highlight, is students living with disabilities. They may be part of any of those other groups, but what is it in the multimodal plans that will be done to ensure that these students are supported um, for a, to have a good chance of success? So, so the, the, the next one was really about are making efforts to support all students to have access to a suitable device to support remote teaching and learning. And in the discussions with all the institutions, um, we've spoken about the possibilities around how we would do that. The minister has already um, indicated uh, some of the ideas and the agreements. Um, but in sp specifically that we will ensure that each MISFAS student is provided with a device. Um, then the next one was around the issue of assessments and that these should be uh, take account and incorporate flexible assessment approaches that are responsive to the conditions imposed by the pandemic um, so that all students will be, act, act, be able to access assessments fairly. Um, it's a critical issue because um, while online learning may be happening at some institutions and there are assessments ongoing all the time, Students who have not been able to access these assessments during a lockdown period must be given a fair chance um, to, to uh, do the assessments when they get back onto campuses. So all universities have to explain how they will be doing that. And at some stage, they must also um, uh, communicate these plans with their students. Um, the issue of those students, uh, when, when we get back to campus in level one, the, the safety and social distancing protocols will still require level, uh, blended uh, teaching and learning strategies um, to happen. Uh, this is specifically because institutions are not going to be able to crowd hundreds of students into a lecture hall in the way that they used to. So there's going to have to be processes through which there's online, um, I mean, blended learning and smaller group, group teaching. Um, and that will mean utilizing uh, digital devices, etc., and uh, campus learning management systems. Um, there's also the need to uh, prepare um, staff and students uh, effectively so that when they come back onto campus, they comply with the safety and social distancing protocols. Um, there, there will be a need for substantial catch-up programs on campuses, especially for groups of students who haven't been able to access remote learning opportunities. And so the institutional plans must take account of all of these aspects and the teaching and learning requirements and assessment requirements of undergraduate and postgraduate students. Um, and because we are dealing with uh, rapidly changing contexts, the, pl the plans have to be quite flexible in, in certain ways. So these, um, what we've been doing with the institutions after having discussed this with them is we've identified possible resources that each institution 
that they have in their own um, accounts, plus um, earmarked grants that um, have not yet been transferred, that may be reprioritized towards addressing the imperatives at universities. Um, obviously with ministerial approval, and we um, have identified these, and we've ident uh, explained to the institutions what may be available, and what they are doing is working with the available resources that can be earmarked from the department, as well as reprioritization of resources that they have at the university themselves in council-controlled funds towards these plans. Um, we have provided them with a final framework document to submit their plans, and we are expecting them to submit them over the weekend, and by the 18th of May, we would have all the plans in by the department. We'll be analyzing the plans and submitting them through to the minister for approval. Um, the idea is that every institution will have an approved plan with approved budgets towards reprioritizing we will have identified where the gaps are in terms of the various aspects, um, um, particularly if, if, if institutions are not able to fund all aspects. We have to identify that and work with institutions to see how we solve those problems. Um, the department will be putting in a monitoring um, uh, process to monitor the, the implementation of teaching and learning on an ongoing basis throughout this period and then um, obviously into the end of the academic year. Um, last slide, next slide, please. So, so when we, we're looking at the phase in of um, final year clinical training students, we've also been working on that. Minister has published directions um, to enable the medical students, that's the NDCHB students, to travel over the period from the 11th of May to the 31st of May. Um, the nine institutions with um, medical schools are prepared for these students to come in. We have institutional plans in place uh, for preparing the campuses, the screening and testing, quarantine sites, and PPEs. Um, the program started with three institutions on the 11th of May. On the 18th of May, we're expecting four more institutions to start, actually five, because Walter Sassoulu will be um, starting on some of their sites on the 18th of May. And then on the 25th of May, um, Walter Sassoulu and SMU will be um, bringing students online. And that will, by the 1st of June, all institutions will have their medical students back in the clinical training um, platforms and um, working towards completing their academic year. Um, we, the, one of the critical uh, issues is the procurement of relevant PPEs um, for clinical training so the, and, and the preparation of the clinical training platforms um, together with the Department of Health um, so that that's uh, and, and communicating the dates of return to students and this is being done at the institutional level. We have met with all the deans um, of all the medical schools, dental schools, health sciences um, faculties, and vet sciences um, and animal health deans to talk about uh, phasing in the other final year students um, onto the platform. And by the um, 18th of May, we'll have a, a, a full plan together um, 
for, for the, the phase in, in. and um, we'll have to publish further directions for these students to be able to come back onto campuses. Um, next slide, please. So just other areas, there are planning for infrastructure programs for all institutions to be brought back online. We've sent out a set of guidelines for institutions to ensure all protocols are in place. And we've also done a, a PowerPoint presentation to assist them. Institutions are working with their contractors to bring them back online. And um, we are working um, in, in terms of the various uh, regulations that have been uh, put out by the Department of Labor um, and the Cocktail Ministry. Um, higher health guidelines and protocols have been uh, worked out and they've been sent to all universities and private higher education institutions to provide the guidelines. Um, and then we also are working with NISFAS um, to ensure that we have the uh, appropriate digital devices and that's, uh, sorry, for NISFAS students to have appropriate digital devices and ministers already um, talked to this aspect. Thank you very much, and I think that's the end of, of the presentation for the university branch. Yes, Aruna, can you come in? Yes, DG. Thank you, DG. Um, good afternoon to the um, honorable chair and members and officials. There are just a few slides for TVET colleges, so I'll go through them. The presentation is on the screen. Um, Chair, in terms of TVET colleges, we have started with what are the key principles that will underpin the return of students. Now, as we know, for TVET colleges, uh, students write national exams, unlike universities where the um, academic program and the assessments and the examinations are very much um, institution-based. For us, it's very important to take into account what this means for students across the country. So when we determine return dates and so forth and arrangements for students to return to institu institutions, we've got to apply a set of principles that can uh, work with all 50 TVET colleges. So after the minister had made his announcement on the 30th of April, there were a few things that we needed to take into account and build it into the planning for the return of, of TVET students and uh, to take care of you know, what we have promised to save the academic year and save uh, lives. So following that decision, it was an in-principle agreement that students will not return to campuses in the month of May, irrespective of what happens. It was agreed that the whole month of May, given the demands, will be dedicated completely to preparing the institutions, the TVET colleges and all the sites of delivery, all the campuses, uh, to meet all the compliance requirements for COVID-19, for the return of students and the return of staff. So the other in-principle agreement we took was that the return of students to online to on-site learning sorry this is on-site learning will only take place when lockdown 3 level 3 is declared by the president now those of us who listened to the president last night we got the sense that uh, we are moving towards lockdown 3 uh, around the end of may so 
that is in line with what we had been anticipating to some extent. But of course, he also cautioned that in those metros, of which we have about three, um, given the infection rates, the lockdown level four is likely to remain. Now, that obviously has implications for how we deal with, with the colleges located in those areas. Currently, it shows we have about six colleges that will be affected in those three uh, metros. And um, discussions have already started. I mean, the president made that announcement. Uh, it was part of his uh, speech last night. And uh, we recognize that we will have to intensify the safety measures in, in those particular uh, colleges if they are going to, if students are going to return during um, lockdown four, still, still the case in those metros. But of course, when we are talking about the return of students, and this will be covered um, later in the presentation, we're not talking about the wholesale return of students. It will be phased in, it is by program and so forth. So it is possible to manage that. But like I said, that still has to be given attention because it was just made known last night. So in preparing the learning environment for receiving students, the next requirement, these are all the principles that despite, you know, no students returning in May, despite the fact that we will wait for lockdown level three, another requirement that must be met is that all the sites of learning must be ready, it must, uh, they must be compliant with the requirements of the Department of Health, it must be compliant, all sites of learning must be compliant with the guidelines that we have developed for peace at institutions, and um, all the critical activities, the health and occupational health and safety requirements, such as cleaning, fumigation, screening, uh, procurement of cleaning materials and PPEs and so forth have to be in place. And it is only on those conditions that students and staff will return. A very important activity is the daily screening of staff and students because that serves as an um, important um, uh, measure to curb the spread of the, of the virus. So this is what requires daily screening of staff and students and therefore measures will have to be put in place to ensure that this process can be undertaken every day. When students report to campuses, um, they must be screened before they can go to class. So that's, that's quite a management area. Um, Higher Health has confirmed that about 10 health volunteers will be deployed to each one of the campuses to help the colleges deal with this very important process. The other principle, and perhaps the most important for all of us, is that social distancing is mandatory. And when students return, they will be, there will be an enforcement that classes will be split in two to allow for that. And the resumption of normal class sizes will only happen down the line when lockdown level two is, is announced. So if we move on to the next slide, in order to, to, those are all the key principles that we said must be complied with. So now we have to track that, given it's the month of May and we have um, a short time left over till the end of May. How do we ensure that not just every college, every campus is ready in terms of all of those requirements we have set out? So a readiness checklist has been developed, a very detailed one covering all areas, the occupational health and safety, 
the um, operational matters, the structures that have to be in place, the facilities that have to be in place for isolation and quarantine. It's a checklist of about 61 items. So from this week onwards, actually today was the deadline for colleges to respond to that checklist and uh, to indicate to us which uh, of those activities are already done and which one's outstanding. And of course, in the next two weeks coming up to the end of May, we will be tracking the checklist with the aim that this week there might not be too much in place um, across all the campuses per college, but next week there should be an improvement. Um, colleges will show what progress they have made and certainly crunch time would be the last week of May. By that time, we would expect all colleges to be giving us ticks in all of those critical activities that are set out in the, in the checklist. So what we are doing is developing a national picture of the state of readiness of the 50 colleges. And over these three weeks, that's, that is what we are, we are going to be doing. It will be analyzed. It will be presented um, in, in, in quite fair detail. Um, maybe now our presentations will not provide every single detail, but behind those presentations, there'll be a whole lot of data. Effectively, we will have 50 spreadsheets to, to give us that level of detail. What, what is very positive is Higher Health has started training staff, college staff, um, from the 4th of May last week. It is done by regions. As at today, three regions were completed and uh, the remaining three regions will be completed over the next week. Now, this is uh, done by webinar and um, staff, um, as much staff as possible who can participate. For example, the session today that was conducted in the Western Cape, 400 staff members participated, and it is about getting college staff ready to deal with the learning environment, to understand the learning environment, and to also manage the learning environment in the context of COVID-19. If we move to the next slide, just to indicate some deadlines, key the milestone readiness activities, these are, are, are considered absolutely critical. In consultation with principals, we agreed that by 23rd May, all colleges, and that means all sites, will be completed with fumigation, cleaning of all the learning spaces and procurement of PPEs. And those are the most um, important, especially for the unions. Actually, this slide speaks to the, the, the requirements that have been firmly set uh, by the unions and by student representatives. And if you look at the, the, the areas of preparation, you can understand why, because it, it you know, directly affects union members who, who are staff and uh, from the student representatives, it affects the student population. So also the, the requirements for screening of staff and students, all the measures, the, the processes, the um, equipment, the people, everything for screening of staff and students. Um, has to be in place by 27th May. And this was agreed to irrespective of when students return, whether they return early June or early July or early August or whatever, given the fact that none of that was known um, before now, before last night, this agreement was reached that by end of May, we need to have all of this in place because any announcement uh, could leave us with only a few days to prepare. 
So if we move on to the next slide, what we have worked on, as we said, it was unknown what the actual return dates would be based on the principle of using lockdown level three. So we had worked on two scenarios after the president spoke last night. Uh, scenario one seems very likely um, if nothing changes between now and the president's final announcement, perhaps in, in a week or two weeks time. Scenario one anticipates the return of uh, students from the first week of June. And if that is the case, we, we, we can complete trimesters one and two for the native students. We can also complete semesters one and two um, for the business study students and the NCV as well will be complete. So in short, the only uh, sacrifice that will be made academically is trimester three, and that will go into the new year. And uh, this is, you know, we would like scenario one to be able to play out because face-to-face uh, -face preparation for TVET students is extremely important. They need to come into the college and have that face-to-face that -face engagement. But um, before yesterday, we had also considered the possibility of scenario two, where there might be a delay to the de declaration of um, lockdown level three, which means it was possible that the return of students could be moved to July 2020. In that instance, we would be able to save trimesters one and two and just semester one. Um, semester two already gets to a risk phase, given the fact that we have to run exams, uh, national exams, and wait for, for the resulting uh, of students before they can enroll, enroll again for another semester. Um, so, you know, the, the, the flip side of this, there are many flip sides to scenario two. The big one would be it would put pressure on 2021 enrollments. If the school year is completed and we have matriculants coming out in big numbers, 2021 uh, enrollments in colleges would be under serious pressure because we would have to deal with this semester and, and new enrollments. And that's something we would have to consider. Also, if we if scenario two comes to bear for whatever reason uh, down the line, we will have to ensure that colleges for the whole of June then deliver by the 8th of June very, very detailed plans on supporting students remotely. Thus far, the, those plans have not been of the level that the university that that has been necessary for universities because um, colleges do not have you know, students do not have devices and so forth. But even with that in mind, we will have to have very detailed per institution plans on how colleges are going to reach their students in one way or the other to support their learning whilst um, they are not able to come to colleges. In terms of the um, students coming, the approach we are ensuring, the next slide, the approach we, that, that we um, uh, are adopting to the return of students to campuses. I've indicated before that we are looking, it will be compulsory that classes must be split in half when students return. And uh, this will be managed by keeping half the students in face-to-face -face learning and the other half the time will be spent in independent study which means lecturers will be obliged to give them work, independent work, structured work, and work that can be reviewed, work that students can use to track their own learning. 
but then there will be the opportunity to have the face-to-face engagement in, in the structured timetables. Now we have left this to colleges to do it, to structure this kind of timetable themselves, because it's really not possible to have a one-size-fits-all for, for all colleges. For example, big colleges find that one kind of modality works better for them, and a rather small college, and perhaps in a rural area, finds a different kind of you know, approach, uh, timetable, would work better for them. Some might want to do it as a morning and afternoon, might want to timetable this as morning and afternoon sessions. Others might want to do this as alternate days, day in and day out, you know, for, for the students. So we are pretty much allowing the colleges together with the, with the oversight of the regional managers to work out detailed and revised timetables for this period. We are saying that special attention must be given to the scheduling of practical learning because no matter what you do, to do this remotely just does not um, achieve the value, not, not even a fraction of the value that is necessary to prepare students in vo vocational education. So even the occupational training, you know, which um, colleges enroll students for, they may be through CETA, you know, arrangements. These will have to um, be prioritized. Uh, workshops, the use of workshops will have to be scaled up and so forth when the students return back to the campuses. Coming to the um, last slide, just an indication of um, the kind of remote learning support initiatives that have been put in place for TVET colleges right from the start, from lockdown five. And a lot of effort had gone into this and, and colleges generally, um, across the 50 of them, responded quite swiftly and, and quite constructively. Um, what we are saying is that given that all students in TVET colleges receive textbooks and they receive it free of charge, it is not NISFAS dependent. It is something that's regarded as a given for every single student who enrolls for any subject in a TVET college. Given that they all have textbooks, this, this must be maximized in providing le le uh, learning support, which means students must be guided through their learning using the textbooks. It's, 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 it's not... Um, perhaps um, perfect, but at least it is something that the students have. And all textbooks are written against the curriculum. So it is very meaningful, very, very well aligned learning that they are able to undertake using textbooks. Then there has been zero rated websites that the as an initiative undertaken within the department in our planning branch. And uh, so websites um, can be used by colleges and they have been using it. Uh, what this means is that colleges are able to put important materials on their college webs on the individual college websites. They can put on worksheets, other learning resources that are college specific, and students are able to access them. Although it still means they need devices um, to be able to do that. What has been used and continues to be used is lecturers find uh, bulk SMSs and WhatsApp class groups very useful. And our survey that we conducted in the month of April shows that this is very widely used by lecturers to guide the students and to take them through their learning. And this is especially where the textbooks become important because 
everybody is, is using a common point of reference to guide the learning. The setting of assignments is, uh, is also something that we've asked to be scaled up so that students can work independently because they've got their textbooks with them. We've uploaded um, national exam papers on our national open learning system. So all old question papers are there. And even when students are at college, this is common practice. Um, they do use question papers. Lecturers use this widely to prepare students for exams. So this is something that can continue to be done um, quite easily. Uh, free, re free resources have been made available from publishers, um, e-guides and so forth extensively. We've had the offer of a lot of um, support resources from publishers um, or, or other um, service providers who as a matter of routine, develop academic support material for TVET colleges. And many, many of them have come forward to make these resources available uh, free of charge to students. And what we have done is pulled all of this together and we are now making them available free to students from the DHET website through links on the DHET website. So students don't have to go all over the place. If they log into a link on our DHET website, they'll be taken to a variety of resources where they can get assistance in different subjects. And then TV and radio broadcasts were perhaps the most popular and where a lot of effort went into it. Um, colleges pulled together and um, secured deals with um, local radio stations as well as TV, television broad, uh, slots on, for television broadcasts. These started around the middle of April. Um, unfortunately, the TV broadcasts are still on DSTV simply because they gave better deals. At the moment, the department is engaging with the SABC, given the SABC's reach is much deeper. And it is, after all, the national broadcaster. But they came at extremely high cost, extremely, extremely high cost. So it was not even a possibility to consider. But the DSTV um, um, broadcast started, as I said, in the middle of April, and it focused on mathematics initially. It's every day a half an hour slot for five days, and this will continue for, for six months until October. So it's not just bound to this period when students are not at college. Even when they are at college, these broadcasts will continue. And there's been, uh, logically, there's a focus on the practical subjects, such as, you know, fitting and turning, mechatronics, and those kinds of things, um, where students need audio audiovisual support in their learning. And as I said, that will continue until the um, end of, uh, until middle of October. Just the point I've made before about devices, Minister has spoken about that. Um, at this stage, we do not believe that devices will, will assist students immediately. This is still a process uh, that will have to be undertaken before every um, TVET student has a device. So we, we are looking at this as an initiative, as a very important initiative to really transform um, the learning trajectory in TVET colleges going forward. It might not um, help us incredibly now in the next month or two, but certainly it will help us reposition TVET colleges in how they deliver learning. And basically it's a commitment to saying that more and more of the learning in TVET colleges will be driven by technology down the line. 
So with that, thank you very much, Che um, and DG. Dr. Matlobo. Uh, thank you, DG. Uh, uh, good afternoon, coaches, minister, honorable members of the of both both portfolio committees. Uh, with regard to the CET, uh, the assumption which we made when we were planning was that uh, in this space, uh, the only time you can actually be able to learn and is, is when you are actually back in the classroom and there is a teacher in front of you. And therefore, because during, during lockdown four, there was no provision for educational activities, and we projected that at the time when the lockdown four comes to an end, then we may be able to start to return to the, to the classrooms. And therefore, the, the period during the course of May is dedicated to uh, preparations for the return of students and staff. Uh, in this instance, thanks to the presidential announcement in this instance with effect from the from the first of June. In other words, the rest of the rest of May will be preoccupied uh, with preparations for the return of students and staff. In addition to the precondition of lockdown level three, students will only return once the compliance clearance of the nine CET colleges and their centers uh, are compliant with the guidelines to prevent the spread of COVID-19. And at this stage, I must just highlight the threat uh, to this sector. Uh, in the event that uh, our academic year is aligned to that of the Department of Basic Education, the program of the Department of Education is exceptionally compressed to the extent that the Department of Basic Education is contemplating extending the day. In other words, it may be two additional hours, it may be three additional hours. That immediately encroaches in the space in terms of the infrastructure because we are using schools. That threatens how we have to be vigilant in, in order to deal with that risk. That message has been communicated to colleges. And the, sec the second threat uh, to the return to, of the city college students and staff to classes is those schools where we are located, and uh, I've requested principals to locate each one of them, where we operate and the schools have no water and poor sanitation or no sanitation at all. And given the fact that the prerequisite of returning back to school is compliance with, among other things, the, the capacity to be able to wash hands as frequently as is necessary. And these two things, the infrastructure and water and sanitation, remain a threat to the sector returning to the, back to the classroom. However, in order to prepare the sector for the return, we have provided a checklist. We, we have provided a checklist which is aligned to the checklist which was given to the department uh, by uh, Higher Health. And, and was approved by our head of department. 
And uh, with the assistance of our health, daily screening of staff and uh, will take place at least three days, would have been finalized at least three days before the staff and students return to the centers. Those staff will be in place. Uh, the protocols also have been distributed to colleges, which deals with how colleges must deal with routine cleaning of learning spaces, screening, testing, and care linkages, including positive cases. Uh, while we are going to rely on some of the officials uh, who will be deployed by higher health, uh, we have advised regional, uh, regional managers and uh, CET colleges also to uh, have a partnership with local institutions of uh, primary health, such as, such as clinics, because in some instances, we might find that higher health is not able to, in other words, we have to work together with the Department of Health in the provinces and in the district in order to have the capacity to get professional testing and professional screening. Uh, also, during this time between now and uh, the end of uh, May, the colleges are busy with the procurement of masks, sanitizers, cleaning materials, which will be used to protect staff and students. Uh, this must be completed at least three days before the end of the month. There are critical milestones which we are looking at. Uh, those milestones have got to do with uh, the pro progress on fumigating, cleaning of planning spaces, procurement of cleaning materials and, PP and PPEs. And this, we are hoping that we will have a far much more comprehensive report and something closer to finality by the 23rd of May. The training of staff, we are hoping that this would have been concluded by the 25th of May. Training of staff, which was referred to by Ms. Singh, includes in most provinces the officials from the CETs. The process, people and equipment will be in place for daily screening and testing of staff, students with links to care and further referral, including identification and isolation and quarantine facilities. And this is the area where I was saying it is absolutely necessary that while we expect higher health to work with us, but we also must source the expertise from the department, the department of health in, pro in provinces in order to assist uh, the colleges. To date, the academic arrangement in line with saving lives, saving the academic care, the academic care for CET colleges will be amended in line with the declaration of level three lockdown. And in other words, at the department every year has to wait for the Department of Basic Education because we are using their infrastructure to publish the calendar for the year in the Gazette. And then we take that calendar and we adapt it for CET colleges. And I'm in touch with my colleagues in DBE as to the progress towards the publication in the Gazette of this calendar so that we can be able to use it and then distribute it for colleges to make a determination for the new, uh, the structure and the nature of the new calendar year. And on return, the prioritization is going to be on GETC. 
this is premised on the fact that uh, the DBE is going, the plan on DBE was to phase in grade 12 and grade 7. And if that is the approach they're adopting, most of our level one, two, three uh, classrooms are accommodated in the lower classes, which are likely going to come in later during the course of the phase in. And in the same manner, the classes will be split into half to accommodate social distancing until level one is reached. Regions and CET colleges are working on securing and resourcing additional infrastructure, as I indicated, that first, the threat is DBE extending hours. Secondly, another threat, social distancing. If you have a class of uh, 30 students, you may necessarily have to cut that class in half. And then you can't send them home. They must be accommodated in additional infrastructure in additional infrastructure which the regions as well as colleges are looking at. Uh, we have actually postponed the June, the May June examination for the GETC and the senior certificate for two reasons, because the students were not prepared and secondly because the both examinations are administered by the Department of Basic Education and therefore it it made sense for us to postpone the examination to, uh, to the end of the year, which is November. All site-based assessment, except those relating to the GETC, all site-based ass assessment relating to the, lower, to the lower classes, the lower levels, are going to be readjusted and the curriculum is going to be readjusted to focus only on those areas which are critical for progression, competencies which are critical for progression to the next level. And uh, slide 20, Chair, is a repetition of slide one. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it looks like I'm going to take over now. My colleague, uh, Honorable Nchaveleng, is experiencing some problems. Yeah, thank you for all the presentations. Uh, unfortunately, I missed um, the, the overview by the minister. <clears throat> I've been struggling really to get in here. Uh, I only managed to get in about, I think, 25 minutes after the minister started, so I missed the bulk of uh, what the minister was saying. It does look like somebody is trying to sabotage me here. For the second time that I'm struggling to get in here. But anyway, that will be attended to later. Um, <clears throat> I don't know whether members would like to participate raise uh, questions or comments. I've noted that it, uh, it really took time, uh, almost one and a half hour presentation, and was still left with another presentation on the strat plan, APP, and the budget. So we're going to allocate only 30 minutes for engagement for both the questions as well as the responses. 
Can we take this opportunity to get an indication from the members uh, who wants to speak? <clears throat> okay. Um, uh, we have uh, Honorable Mukacho, uh, Honorable Notada, uh, Honorable Litsie, uh, Honorable Kietzi, uh, uh, Honorable Lutuli, Honorable Mananiso, uh, oh, Honorable Novo, I see your hand up. Uh, Bia. Honorable Dongeni and Honorable Christians. Okay. So we've got ten or Honorable Boshoff and uh, Honorable Yabo. I don't know whether I, I missed uh, anybody. So we've got about 12 uh, members who'd like to uh, engage with the presentations. Uh, can we start with the uh, Honorable Mukacho? Uh, um, good afternoon, Chairperson. Thank you very much for the opportunity to uh, engage on the presentations made by the minister. Um, Chair, I, I, I appreciate the effort of uh, detail that has been attempted by the department when it comes to the department's interventions on in responding to COVID-19 and, and, and the lockdown. However, Chair, the, as far as I can remember, the portfolio committee had asked for a very detailed breakdown of the state of readiness of institutions of higher learning and perhaps I don't know maybe I have I would have missed it somewhere but when the chair had requested a detailed breakdown of the state of readiness of institutions of higher learning individually I assumed it would be presented in the same manner in which um, in which uh, uh, the department had presented the state of readiness of institutions in February when we did our oversight at the department's uh, offices in Pretoria, you know, where they, they they broke it down institution by institution and sort of created a, a flag of institutions that are in red and institutions that are amber, institutions that are green. So one would have really have appreciated that. Chair, perhaps um, just looking into the fact that, of course, we the sector intends on uh, beginning in its totality on the 1st of June um, and we, 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 we cannot completely determine when the entire country will be sitting on level uh, three or level two. Um, but taking into consideration how the president yesterday spoke to how um, there will be a, a provincially differentiated phasing in to level three, would that um, would that, would that be the same when it comes to institutions of higher learning? So an institution that finds itself in a province where it can be in level three, 
um, there will be a more rapid phasing in of, of learning, of contact learning. When I say contact, I mean that's taking into consideration social distance <laughs> at the institution. Um, and then an institution that finds itself in a province that is uh, that is in level four or five, maybe, maybe we might go back to five, we don't know. Um, you know, they would they would not find themselves in a position where they can have more rapid phasing in. I think I don't know if the department has been taking such into consideration. Um, and Chair, I'm assuming that the sacred readiness breakdown should have included um, would have helped us in understanding which institutions are part of the the 12 that have identified to be in green in terms of ITC. The 10 that have or the four that have been identified to be averagely ready and the 10 um, that are, are said to not be ready at all. I don't know Chair, if maybe I'm missing that content, but I can't see which institutions are finding them themselves in that point. And then Chair, lastly, this sector continuously finds itself in a position where people um, are not held to account um, when it comes to um, consequence management and them not holding their part of the of, of responsibility. So looking at all the deadlines that the department has set in terms of where we should be with presenting plans um, and training com being completed and all of that, um, what will be the repercussions of institutions that do not abide by the set timeframes that the, the that the department has set? Um, thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Mkacha. Honorable Nodada, uh, if we can just... Um, limit our questions to two because of time. Honorable Nodada. I see that management chair. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> good afternoon to, to, to everybody. Uh, let me firstly say, Chair, um, I thank you for, for the work that has been done by the department. I think we can see uh, there's a lot of work that has been put into this. And, and thanks for the briefing by the minister. Chair, I'm going to maybe then try to limit a question each to each uh, cluster because I do have for the minister uh, and the university branch and, and the TBED branch, I might not be able to get to, to CET. Um, but just to the minister, uh, Chair, um, Minister, you, you mentioned that um, the missing middle, there is no particular commitment made by the department as to how to best assist the, the, the students in terms of digital devices they may need in order for them to uh, participate um, in uh, this uh, online learning we're going to, even though the approach should be blended learning. Um, so what, what guidelines do, do we then give to institutions when it comes to missing middle students? Is there a discussion in place about them in terms of um, their you know, assistance in terms of them getting devices as well? so that we make sure that no student is being left uh, behind in terms of that. Um, and then secondly, in terms of, in terms of TVET students, um, are they also getting devices based on the NSPIS criteria, um, or are they not getting devices at all? And uh, what uh, you know, digital equipment assistance is there for, for the TVET space, uh, Minister, if you can maybe uh, you know, guide in terms, of, in terms of that. And then lastly, from, from your side, Minister, I, I, I would like to then suggest there are quite a few strategic projects that you say you personally uh, would like to lead the charge, which is you know cool, good and commendable. But I think also in, in those ministerial task teams, they must be reflective in the annual performance plan of the department so that we can be able to measure their targets and also measure their time um, so that they can be implemented because there's quite a few ministerial task teams in terms of NSFAS. Now you're talking about infrastructure 
and if you maybe can give comment to that. To the university branch chair, um, just uh, one question to them. Um, you there's a mention now that we're going to level three um, of, of the lockdown. Obviously, that means different uh, regulations put in place and stuff like that. Um, in terms of the national criteria, what is the national criteria to determine which type of students go back uh, to campus? And when doing so for level three, please consider students that are finally in broad terms, those that are doing practical uh, studies, those that are in the missing middle and some that can't study at home because of either network electricity or the, the environment is not conducive, conducive at home as a priority when we do that. And I think it's part of, of blended learning. And then the question to the team at chair, which is my last question, like I said, I won't get to, to CET. And I've got quite a legion of, of, of questions uh, on this. Um, I don't know if Safeza um, still does exist, but I saw that it's, you know, the consultation is mainly done with SACPO. Um, if maybe the TVET branch can do, can, can indicate that. And then the question is actually, what is the um, implication of the trimester being moved to 2021, financially speaking, for those students that are on NSFAS? And when do you foresee the academic year for the TVET sector? Um, actually uh, concluding. Thank you so much, Chair. <clears throat> okay, thank you very much, Honorable Notada. Um, can I get Honorable Itzia? Yes, uh, thank you very much, Chair. Um, just a quick, a quick. Uh, by the way, the matter is that uh, when we have uh, four pages, four, eight, four pages of questions and we are restricted to two, it becomes very difficult to choose <laughs> Uh, which ones are important? Um, no, it's fine. Which... Let's see. You can just manage. You don't have to do exactly two. You can just manage the time. Uh, thank questions. you very much. Um, let's welcome the presentations from the minister. Uh, the minister mentioned that um, um, they we, they are looking at procuring gadget for gadgets for university students. I think uh, maybe let's uh, command that uh, that uh, we have a, a people based approach. Um, because the poor and the working class will really be left behind if uh, the department did not uh, enter there. Uh, but, uh, Minister, I saw uh, University of KwaZulu-Natal, Stellenbosch, and UKZN, they've um, actually commented and said uh, they, they will allow students once to deregister uh, for this academic year to, de to deregister. So what uh, mechanisms do we have in place uh, that those whom we have um, given gadgets don't immediately after receiving uh, these gadgets uh, deregister. <clears throat> um, um, there's, a, there's a point that I asked um, NSPAS uh, on Monday, and I think, uh, Minister, it will, you know, uh, the question is, is better place answered by yourselves. There, there is a... A, a, a large cohort of students who are characterized as the missing middle, um, whom they are characterized as such because their parents uh, are either working and uh, they are getting paid a certain amount. Uh, some of them are in business. So um, what plans do you have in place? Um, should those, that cohort of students move from the missing middle to um, legible students uh, of NSPAS due to COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic. To the, to, 
to the university branch, Dr. Parker. <clears throat> These researchers that you are, or, or researchers that you are talking about uh, from universities, did they check how many students are in rural areas where they are struggling, literally, uh, townships and rural areas struggling with network, uh, in order for them to access a zero-rated um, website, they will need network. So if there's no network at all, <clears throat> um, what um, does this re researches um, uh, look into into those, into those matters, and, and how many are they? Do you have, can you quantify how many of um, these student, this students are to the event branch, um, Aruna? You mentioned that um, students will, re will return to campus after uh, level three has been declared. Um, um, I just wanted to check what then happens if high district is level three uh, because uh, of how health uh, or the people generally are behaving and number of cases of COVID-19 are low. Uh, and in some cases like in, in Cape Town now in, in the South African context of one, uh, goes back to level five. What then happens to the students at that level? And they only move to level three in December. Are we saying they, 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 they get left behind on the basis of um, their geographic um, um, into, um, into, uh, on social distancing? You, you also made mention that some classes will be split into two, um, meaning that we need double the number of lecturers uh, have you at least done a preliminary assessment of cost implications and where will that money come from? And uh, lastly, Chair, um, I, I know you're coming uh, when, once you put the video on. Uh, can the department at least share the, uh, the checklist? Uh, I, all these different uh, branches have made mention of checklist from the higher health. Can they share the checklist with us so that uh, uh, we know what what is it that they're talking about when they talk about the checklist uh, from the from the from the higher uh, from the higher health. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. <clears throat> We're still running terribly behind schedule, members. Please let's try to be quick to the point, Honourable Kietze. I don't want to interrupt anybody, but please let's just. Uh, Thank, thank you very much, Chairperson. Very quick. <clears throat> and perhaps we welcome the inputs made by the Minister uh, in the beginning of this meeting. Uh, I want to take the attention of the meeting uh, to, the, to what we have seen on the 19th of April. <laughs> I think it was the Deputy Minister, the encounter he had with the Vice-Chancellor of Vets on, on social media. Uh, I think it was in relation with whether or not students are going back uh, to school. <clears throat> and we have, we have learned that there was a, a heated debate around that. I'm raising this precisely because when I'm looking at the slide number five on the flexible teaching and learning plans, it states that the, the drafting framework of documents and template for multimodal uh, teaching and learning was on the, from the 1st to the 5th of May, 
and at that time already universities like the University of Johannesburg had already started uh, with their online uh, studies and teaching and learning. <clears throat> My question goes to the department or rather minister to say, if you are going to say by the 1st of June, every student or every university should be ready to start their academic year or to resume rather their academics. Where does it locate those who couldn't have an opportunity to start with universities like your VETS? But not only that, but equally with the students at VETS University and the University of Johannesburg and others like your, your UCT, who couldn't get the devices on time one, who were not, you know, who at that time there was not this, there was not this uh, a framework that the department is presenting now. It means universities have used their own autonomy to develop their own, uh, or, or rather structure their own way of going back to <laughs> academics. So I want to check uh, if there are no inconsistencies in the process, not only with the institution, but with single students inside, because the report we are getting currently is that so many students are unable to catch up or to be on the same level as others, because of variety of reasons, I think as the CSIR, as the minister have uh, uh, indicated, should come into the picture and assist. Because some of these areas, networks are responding very badly and differently. I mean, others, uh, MTN in Limpopo is completely a mess. Others, they say telecom in Northwest doesn't respond. So those are the kind of issues we need to look into and considering the, the days or the time frames given. We ought to put that into consideration that we do not leave other people behind. Number two, with more than almost uh, 1,000 modules in Tibet sector, you know, almost 1,000, and given the fact that they do not have uh, devices as we have had earlier on, how will this TV and uh, radio broadcast assist or come into rescue? in an event where uh, uh, the sector of Tibet itself has more than 1,000 or almost 1,000 modules. How are you going to, you know, uh, factor the time frames on uh, to say this time we're going to be uh, teaching this and, and, and all that? 1,000 is just a lot of modules to be uh, compressed or be taught through TV or radio. So those are some of the issues that I wanted to highlight without in time. Lastly, I, I know the minister might leave. I wanted to touch on some of the, the medium term and strategic framework in the APPs, but I don't know if we're going to have enough time to deal with that. But uh, without wasting <coughs> time, the plea that we want to submit is that let us avoid uh, to copy other people out there or rather other countries. We do not know how uh, uh, they are dealing with their issues. I mean, we, are, we, are, we look like we are wishy-washy. We don't know what is happening. Uh, we want to apply so many formulas of other countries while we do not have time to interrogate what really our problem is. I think okay. let me stop there, uh, uh, with the clarity of the APP, because minister will be leaving and will get the report at a later stage. Thanks. Okay. Well, I think with the APPs, uh, we, if there are specific questions for the minister, I think they could still be raised. 
and uh, forward it to his office and then we can get a response. But I'm sure at that time he would have left us, uh, would have left the meeting rather. Uh, can we go to Honorable uh, Litu? Can I ask the Honorable uh, Litsike and Honorable Ngobo just uh, if you can mute your mics, mute your mics. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Lituli. Honorable Ngobo, your mic. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Chairperson, and greeting to everyone. Um, maybe to touch on what the minister said, not trying to repeat what other members have been saying. You know, uh, we welcome at the presentation by him and uh, and also the fact that our students will be getting gadgets. But um, as the NCOP, I come from KZN and I live in Dwedway, which is a rural area. And uh, we suffer a lot uh, on network. Uh, maybe you see uh, in our meetings, I come in and I go out because um, the, 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 the network is failing us. So um, what other members were saying, uh, talking about the network uh, problem, and uh, it, it's really an issue. I have a niece uh, who's also a student of DUT who has uh, decided to go and stay with my other sister because of the network in Dwedwe so that she'll be able you know, to catch up um, on this online learning and when we speak of um, the schools being opening, uh, that, uh, especially on TVET, you see, I, I understand that uh, there are deadlines that when the schools are going to be uh, fumigated and all that, but we are not talking about uh, the place of residence because right now the kids are at home and then they will move to their residence where they stay or the place where, where they are renting. So we are not sure as parents uh, how, how safe are they in that place because there is no communication between the department and the landlords of uh, fumigating um, the place where, where they are renting. And most of these are places are in rural areas. So if maybe the department can uh, assure the parents that uh, they are in communication or in agreement that even if the, the student move from home to, to their place of residence, uh, and then those places will be fumigated. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, can we get Honorable Mananiso? And thank you for the example you have said, Honorable Tuli, of time. Okay, thank you, Chair. Uh, firstly, let me welcome all the presentation. However, I want, to, I want to emphasize on the issue of procurement of laptops. To say to the minister, he must bear in mind what the minister of finance could have said about ensuring that we lower our, our cost. So when they procure those lab digits, they must ensure that they do that. And then I, my other question is with regard to CET. Uh, one of the things that we have emphasized as this particular committee is to say that uh, CET must be given an attention that universities are getting. So with the presentation that we got from CET, it's as if we are too far in terms of ensuring that we do the right thing. I want to raise my issue on slide uh, 17, where CET just give us a, a, a highlight that uh, in terms of preparedness, they would work from May. However, on their slide, it only starts on the 23rd of May. So they can please, please venice us to, with the things that they are doing from uh, till today with regards to the preparedness, not only 23 of May. 
And uh, lastly, Chairperson, I didn't hear anything about uh, private accommodation providers. So as I have raised this question last time, I want to check with the minister if we have a plan with regards to them. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, thank you very much. Uh, can we get Honorable Novo? Uh, thank you very much, Chair. My question is around um, the digital <coughs> devices. Uh, and linked to that one, uh, there will be two more. Uh, the digital devices will be supplied to the NSFAS um, uh, qualifying students, and that is uh, it's commendable. Uh, but uh, this one must be underscored, uh, 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 Chair, uh, in fact, uh, Minister um, Pepet, we have to now uh, say the missing middle is having it very tough. If uh, they are not going to be getting these devices, any assistance uh, towards these devices, uh, they are really bearing the brunt. But also the issue of the rural uh, areas where uh, most of the time there is a problem uh, of the network. Uh, one doubts it very much uh, whether this has been properly looked into. Uh, 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 one would urge that that be done unless it gets late. Minister uh, talks about the, artic uh, uh, the artificial intelligence institutions, and one uh, would commend that very much that the minister uh, has identified this uh, to be a, a drawback. And uh, one must also uh, ask the minister whether uh, there could be some time frames with regards to that, because uh, the, uh, the, the previously disadvantaged are the ones who will always be suffering the more unless this gets uh, properly addressed. Uh, my last question, Chairperson, relates to the 360-degree screening. Um, the, uh, one understands the 360-degree screening to be the all-round screening. Now, if it is so, uh, is it realistic? Uh, maybe uh, one would need to get an explanation of uh, whether it is what one thinks. Uh, is there time for screening all those students, all those uh, um, uh, um, lecturers and everybody getting in, in the mornings and in the afternoons? Uh, those are my questions. Thank you very much, Chair. I'm always short. Okay, thank you very much, and thanks for, for being brief. Uh, Honorable Sibir. Thank you, Chairperson. No, no, it's Honorable Sibia. Oh, okay. Honorable Sibia, if you can. Hello, Chairperson. Okay, we can see you. Hello. Just... Yes, we can hear you, Honorable Sibia. You don't have to get too close to your. Okay, head. I'm moving a little bit back. So we can. Okay, I'm. Yeah, you, you no, look, thank you, Chairperson. Okay. I'm covered on the issue of missing midly as well as targets. Thank you. Okay. I'm covered. Okay, thank you very much, Mams Bia. Honorable Ntongeni. Sure. 
Honorable Ndongeni. Thank you, Chair. I'm covered. Thank you very much uh, for being covered. Honorable Christians. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, Minister, I would just like to know there have been reports from certain students. Where who, are you? I can't see you. Um, I'm sorry, um, my, my video is not working, Chairperson. I'm sorry. Um, there have been reports from certain students that have left their study materials and other learning materials at residences in haste when the lockdown was um, initially announced. Um, now, especially if the lockdown status is extended, what will be done to assist these learners to get their study materials um, to assist them with learning? And um, then I would just like to know about the capacity of TVET colleges. Um, they're already running their normal programs late into the evening. Um, so if these learning programs throughout the day must be extended. Do colleges have the capacity with regards to their timetables and have they already started working on their revised timetables um, in order to deliver these learning um, materials and learning to students? And then just thirdly and lastly, what are the implications of learners returning to private accommodation? How and what will they be briefed on and how will they be assisted in order to protect them? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Okay, thank you very much, Honorable Christians. Honorable Boshoff. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I would like to add my voice to all the people who uh, welcomed the presentations, and I think they went a terrible lot of work uh, into uh, uh, presenting this to us. But what I'm actually uh, want to ask about is just the one thing this marking the uh, the institution which should take responsibility for the uh, huge infrastructure development for the higher education sector that uh, Dr. Zamandi mentioned is this now uh, a, a public uh, state owned enterprise or what exactly is it uh, I should just add to my to my inquiry that exactly the things that the minister are worried about and why he says that uh, acquisitions must be done centrally and that such an institution should be created for the uh, infrastructure development are the things that uh, we have let's say we are troubled by what state-owned enterprises are doing at the moment in exactly those regards so does he has, have any way to put us at rest uh, regarding this uh, and if it is a state-owned enterprise indeed, or, or exactly what is this market going to be? Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Poshov. Uh, lastly, would be Honorable Yabo. Uh, thank you, Comrade uh, Chair. Mm. Honorable Chair. You look uh, uh, proper for the meeting, uh, Honorable Yabo. <laughs> Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, I just want to appreciate the presentations that have come through from the uh, minister as well as the various uh, DDGs and uh, other officials who made presentations and appreciate them. The first point I want to find clarity on is in the presentation of the minister, he speaks of uh, uh, plans being afoot on the establishment or the 
I started the building of uh, the University of Science and Innovation in Aguruleni. Uh, has there been a site identified? Where is it going to be located? Secondly, uh, the College or University of uh, Investigations in Amanskral, uh, has there been a site identified? Where is it going to be located? I think it, it's also, it also assists to paint a picture <coughs> where, of where these institutions will be. The second point then, which is the last point I'm going to make, is there seems to be a discrepancy or rather uh, a sluggish approach to informing students, but especially in the TVET sector, and on the uh, on the progress being made as it relates to uh, recovering the year for them. Uh, I speak so because uh, most of the TVET students are unaware, and I think it's a it's a gap created by the TVETs themselves. It's not all of them, but some of them, that they don't communicate what the plans are uh, to recover the academic year for the TVET students. And I think it's something that the department must begin to emphasize with the, with the TVETs themselves, because uh, the minister will communicate plans, but the TVETs must be able to keep in touch with their own students so that they know how far they are in relation to recovery as the year progresses. And those are the two points I wanted to make, Honorable uh, Chair. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Honorable uh, Yabo. You are dressed very well for the meeting. I think all of us must dress properly like that, even if it's a virtual meeting. Uh, <clears throat> I just have a few notes from my side, and then I will hand over to Honorable Minister to to address us and then he can be excused uh, from the meeting. Well, as I said, I I missed the, the bulk of uh, your submission, Honorable Minister. I don't know whether you've got notes that you use that you can share with myself in particular so that I can uh, review what you have been saying at the later stage, if you do have those notes. Uh, <clears throat> I, I was uh, uh, put under the impression uh, from interacting with the, the ministry and, and the department that universities have already submitted their plans uh, of uh, remote uh, learning. Uh, and we did request that the department must summarize uh, those plans into some four or five uh, slides so that we are able to get a sense of uh, what is going to happen in the universities. Uh, I've been looking at the presentation. I did not see that. Neither was Dr. Parker speaking to that. What I saw is that there was a request uh, for the universities to submit on the 18th of, uh, of uh, the deadline was put as the 18th of May. I just want to reconcile those two, Honorable Minister. Whether did we receive anything from the universities? Are we still waiting for for those detailed plans? Which is something that we we had really um, uh, preferred that we should uh, we should receive today. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure if you've got uh, we can respond to that one. Um, 
There is an issue, although it might not be related to the subject today. Uh, increasingly, we are beginning to observe a situation where there is a, <clears throat> a serious lack of accountability. Not really lack of accountability, but a refusal by people who are occupying public offices in the universities people who are appointed there in those councils in the university management who are increasingly giving us the middle finger when you ask them to account the <clears throat> uh, case in point is uh, uh, is the university of uh, fort hay um, the administrator there and i'm happy that the Honourable Minister has replaced that administrator because he was uh, very arrogant. <clears throat> he basically gave us the middle finger when we asked him to come and account to appear in Parliament. So increasingly we are beginning to see that kind of uh, conduct. And, and must I say that I think it was good riddance for that administrator to have been relieved. I say that very consciously because of how he behave, he didn't want to be held to account. And the second <clears throat> university that I think is beginning to exhibit those tendencies is the Sofako Mahato University, which we are still waiting for a report from them. So we are beginning to see this thing in the universities where people are be hiding behind institutional autonomy. They don't want to be held to account. So I'd like the minister to respond to that, but I know that we're going to have detailed discussion around these issues. <clears throat> uh, last point, Honorable Minister, I'm happy about the emphasis that you are making around the acquisition of the laptops. That the matter is agent. It's long that, I think I made this point before, it's long that you've made your announcement and we do not want that around announcement and the, to be to be now undermined by the delays in uh, rolling out these uh, devices for the students, NS for students to, to be assisted with. So I'm happy that uh, you are very firm on it. Writing a minute, to, we will be writing to the minister to ask that the matter must be finalized and speeded up and so forth, and that it must be done at a central place. I think I'm happy with that. One thing that I think you need to cut on this is going to be a massive procurement. <clears throat> and uh, I would want uh, the minister to put systems in place to make sure that this procurement is done in accordance with the requirement of the, of the Public Finance Management Act so that there can be proper accountability after, the, after this uh, acquisition has been done. But otherwise, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Minister. Over to you. I'll give it to you first so that you can brief us and leave, and then the officials will then come in. Um, uh, th thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. I'm sorry that uh, technology was fighting against you initially, but I'm pleased that at least you have managed to, to actually oh, join, join the meeting. Uh, thanks for your understanding as well uh, to, to actually release me. I appreciate that. 
Uh, Honorable Mukacho, the your issue about a detailed presentation of state of readiness per institution. Um, I'm not so sure whether maybe they, they may. We would have liked, by the way, by today that we had given that to the portfolio committee. But unfortunately, we are not there. I'm not happy myself that we are not there. Because the institutions now are saying they are going to be ready on some aspects uh, of what we need to do by by the weekend, uh, latest Monday. I've raised this with the senior officials in the department, especially university education branch, that we must not allow the institutions to delay us forever. But having said that, we must also not be blind to the fact that the point I think I made uh, in the last portfolio committee or in a, in a meeting of another structure, which was last Saturday, that we, we are confronted by the very same, we are constrained by the very same contradictions we want to address. Because the fact that some institutions, I'm not, I'm not being uh, soft on them, but the fact that some institutions are battling to be able sometimes to give us information on time has to do with capacity. So we are pushing as much as possible. I'm also pushing my officials very hard, Chair. For example, I, I would have liked to have given you a briefing even before I go to my press briefing on Tuesday. I want to do a press briefing on Tuesday also to report back to the broader South African public as to where we are. I hope that at least I will be having more. We hope that we'll be having more information. And of course, I will make the, the best effort at least to brief the chairpersons because that's the best we can do within a relatively short span of time. We are doing our best to hold the institutions to account. I would like maybe the officials to add on this because uh, <clears throat> this situation, much as we've got individual institutions and they are not the same, but we had committed right from the word go and the deputy minister can, can attest to this, that the task team that, the ministerial task team that he chairs, one of its aim is precisely to ensure that each institution has a plan, but also we develop a national framework. And we expect all institutions to play by the national framework if we are to be able to, to move forward. Now, on the issue of the missing middle that uh, Notata and, and other honorable members raised, I think we need to make this clear, though. Government policy is to assist students who come from families who are earning not more than 350,000 rands per annum to acquire the first qualification at university or college. That's, that's policy which uh, all of us are, are working within the context of that policy. One is aware that the issue of the missing middle is a challenge. That is why I've committed that I do an investigation during the course of this year of what is it that can be done. Obviously, we'll have to be working with the private sector. Obviously, we'll have to be looking at a loan system. 
hopefully that is affordable, which can be able to assist those parents and those students to be able to at least get a loan such that they don't have to pay up front and then it's something that can be paid when they are working. We are doing this as government because we realize that this is a challenge, but that must not then begin to unwittingly draw us into being able to do the same thing as NESFA's commitments and NESFA students. I think it's important to say that, and at all times not to forget about that. These projects, ministerial projects, are indeed part, I've satisfied myself, that they are part of both the APPs, of our APP, as well as our STRAT plan. Because they are not projects that are running outside of the projects of the, of the department. The fact that they are ministerial projects, as we normally call them, because I attach particular close attention to, you can't realize that in any case, unless we have put them into the STRAT plans. They are there. You can be able to judge for yourselves. In fact, I wouldn't mind if members feel that well, if they think these are important, but they are not clearly articulated into the APP as well as into the STRAT plan, honorable members must feel free to, to raise that. Well, maybe I would leave the issue of Safeta and, and, and where it is uh, to the officials to, to, to answer that question. All I want to say is that I do want effective student voice to be heard in the Tibet College sector, both at institutional level as well as at a, a macro systemic level. That is why in the first instance, we had supported a few years ago the establishment of, uh, of Safeta. I think that, uh, Honorable Letia, the... The issue of students deregistering at UKZN. Maybe uh, Dr. Parker can answer that, can add to that. My understanding in, 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 in of this is that this was being misunderstood as to what the university was saying. My understanding is that each academic year, after a I don't know what it is now, after a month or two months, they do give an opportunity for students to change courses or to decide to deregister. I thought the university was talking about that, not that there were students who were being called upon or being encouraged to deregister. I hope that's not the case. No institution can ever encourage students to deregister. It's just that you get given a choice, as is normally the purpose. Either you change your course, or you, 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 you decide to deregister, but there is no encouragement to students to deregister. De no institution should do that, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Now, Honorable Kete, by 1st of June, what we are saying is that we need to resume the academic year using multimodal remote support, which is online, as well as other physical means, either distributing uh, reading materials or finding spaces where students in particular localities can be able to, ac to access websites of their institutions because there is, there is connectivity. Which is why, Honorable Tool, if I understood you well, I had asked the HSBCSIR to assist us to do a geomapping 
as to where connectivity is and what can be done by when. Are there, is there something that can be done now or soon to actually have connectivity? In fact, that's one of the things that I want to make sure that we prioritize. That's why I drew in the CSIR. Because where we are able to connect as quickly as possible to some networks, we need to do that. And indeed, we will do so where it is affordable and it is also within our means to actually do so. Because in the end, in fact, whether what, almost irrespective now of what happened with COVID-19, we hope that we'll be able, of course, to find a vaccine or a cure. The issue of gadgets and, and connectivity, we can no longer go back. Because it's very clear whatever happens in future, we must actually move towards developing full capacity, for example, for online education. It's the future in any case. I must say, Chair, I've also raised this with the, with the, in, in relation to the national plan of post-school education and training with the department. To say, where do we see ourselves three, five years from now? I'm sitting here with an email, I don't know, through artificial intelligence, they've managed to see that my, my activity maybe in some of the public sites has got to do with higher education. I think it's the University of Michigan who have sent me their complete online degree that I can do on public health, you know. Now, that, that disturbs me much as I find it exciting on the one hand because it means boundaries of national universities are actually being eroded. Unless we ourselves also get into the modern technology, we may find actually that our own institutions are overwhelmed. Because some students will say, if I can study sitting at home or I'm working at Pennsylvania University or Leeds University in the UK, here is actually a, a, a course that I like, which is not available here, I like it more than what Vitz or Zululand may, may be offering. They will go and register there. That is the future we are going to, and we do need to prepare for that future systematically. In fact, my plan is to have a team as soon as possible that should be beginning to say, how do we cater or plan for full-blown online learning? It doesn't mean you do away with, with contact. But that's where the future is going to be. Even our own universities, by the way, they can offer online to any part of the world. That's what is going to happen in future, provided that they've got good programs. Let me not stick to that, Chair. It's just that it's, an, it's a matter that I'm very passionate about. Honorable Manani, so I agree with you that we must not treat community education and training colleges as junior cousins in the PSET system. I'm very concerned about that. Uh, we have got huge challenges there, of course. You know, our, what was our adult education system is just far from catering for the needs that we have. That's why we have moved towards establishing community education and training. Unfortunately, we have no budget for this. What we are doing is creatively piggybacking on, on DPE in terms of places for learning and also using some funds from the National Skills Fund and some CETAs, by the way.
to assist on this. But it's not sustainable to actually run it through that. You see, it is system. We need a budget. We'll have to fight for a budget uh, to be able to, to actually properly fund this. Because we estimate actually that possibly people who require community education and training may actually be no less than those who are at school given the history of our own country. So I, I do agree with that, that it's something that together we'll have to, to actually fight for. Now, on artificial intelligence, I must say, as I've said, those universities that have started, they are doing great work. I have no problem with that. My problem is that the challenge is to expand this. You can't only be having five institutions and also with minimal project leaders. I haven't seen a black African leading any of these artificial intelligence programs in any of these institutions for that matter. It's something that I'm very concerned about. That's why I also partly I'm taking direct interest. By the way, Chair, without taking too much time, you know, I, I was talking to my, my, my counterpart at the United, in the United Arab Emirates on the phone indicating that he would like that uh, we deepen relations in, in higher education with South Africa. Then he tells me something that they have a dedicated minister of artificial intelligence. Over and above that, UAE, I think it's in Abu Dhabi, has a dedicated university of artificial intelligence. The people who are more knowledgeable than this have told me in the face Minister, any country that will be left behind on artificial intelligence is doomed and will be doomed forever. That is why I'm beginning to increasingly take an interest in this. Interestingly, it's a cross-cutting matter between these two departments. It really is, is, is a ministry matter. Now, uh, just the, the, the last few questions and, and points. We are engaging the private accommodation providers. It's complex. It's not easy. And, and, and the challenge there is different because some of them are complaining to us that there are no students now. Are they going to be getting their rent? You know? In other instances, it's another problem, you know, that they feel Nesfas is paying, but the students are not there. So it's, it's something that we are, we are looking at we are engaging the private providers so that we, we hopefully find a, a way out of this that will hopefully be able to satisfy everybody. Honorable Boshoff, no, we are not establishing a, an SOE on infrastructure. All what I said is that infrastructure in the department has been done from the DG's office, from the branch on university education, from the branch on TVET. What I'm doing is that we need to centralize. In any case, there's an agreement coming out of our own national plan. And it needs to be coordinated from a central place. And the most important branch within the department is the branch responsible for planning. But in addition to that, what I've decided, because this is going to be a big issue, this one of, of, of infrastructure. We're already each year spending billions of rents. I want to get proper advice as a minister on managing infrastructure. That is why I'm, I'm appointing 
It's not a full-time committee. It's not even part-time. It's part-time in the sense that they will come together now and again and advise me. Let me give you one place where I need immediate advice and even a plan. We have got multiple forms of student accommodation, university-owned, privately-owned. Some of this privately-owned is different. There are people who speculate who will build next to a university or a Tibet college. Others, they've got agreement with universities. It's a multiplicity. We need to look at this comprehensively. Also, the issue is, some people are beginning to raise this point. We tend to give money to universities and say to them, go and build. Some of them, it's fourth fear they haven't started building because there are fights, there are disputes, and we are not there because we've just given the money. Shouldn't we be looking at a better way of supervising how those, those institutions are behaving. That's what I would like this market to do. It's a ministerial advisory committee. It's not a, 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 an SOE or an institution. So that myself, I feel much better that we are managing infrastructure better and I am informed. And it's experts that I will actually be, be appointing, people who are very knowledgeable. And I will, I'll be announcing them soon, within the next few weeks. That's my intention. Uh, Honorable Leabo, the, the, the new universities, we need feasibility studies. That's where we start. So we have no place where which we have identified. If there are people who have said there is a place, they are just speculating. We have no place that we have identified. The, the one, one big task of the team is to do feasibility, consult and engage stakeholders, and also then be able to say uh, where such a university should actually be located. All that is going to be done uh, through the processes that we are going to, to set up. Chair, I'm willing to share my notes with you. There might be two or three points that are not in the notes that I raised, but uh, I, I think my chief of staff is listening uh so that she can be she can be able to email you my my notes on 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 on, on my input now I, as i've said by the way the fact that the data we have received from the universities is not complete chair i am concerned about this that's why i am pushing very hard that i we actually do need this information even more so now after what the president said yesterday because it's clear that certain things we have to move even a bit faster. But as I have said, we are constrained by the reality of inequalities. About officials accounting, I agree with you. We, we, we do need a detailed discussion on this. You remember I once raised this in the portfolio committee that we need to look at protocols, for instance, of accounting by officials. We know we can't stop parliament. We can't stop a committee from calling anyone. But it's, it's, it's also important that we are able to say, okay, how do we do that and what role do we play as a department and so on. But accounting is no question. People must account if they are called by parliament to come and account. I was also raising this issue because sometimes there are instances where you call an institution to come and ask about a matter that we as a department, we might have already investigated, which normally then is often useful to say, we can't stop you, 
calling the institution, but we would like to come and present to you first what have we found about the issue that you want to know about. Those are the protocols that I'm actually talking about without interfering with the right of parliament uh, to actually account. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Minister, uh, for the responses. Um, can we get the two other officials, three officials? I'm going to limit you to only two minutes. Uh, you did make a very elaborate presentations. Uh, actually, you took more time. But I'm going to give you two minutes. I'm aware that the, the other points, uh, maybe minister, if not adequately responded to, the officials will then take up those points. Uh, can we start with higher education branch? Um, yes, uh, sure. Uh, honourable chair, and, um, honourable members. Um, I think. Uh, the minister actually covered almost all aspects um, related to the to the questions. There may be just a few things that um, I could add to. Um, firstly, I, uh, just in, in relation to um, the the question about the detailed um, state of readiness. Uh, in our last meeting, we talked about the first survey we did. Are you able to? Um switch on your camera oh sorry apologies chair um there we are <laughs> i can switch on the camera um so so as the minister has indicated it, it it's around um the fact that institutions were already planning during the initial part of the lockdown and had provided plans that were not um, all of them fully worked out and that was when we made the decision to do this really deep concept document to guide all institutions in terms of what it was we were willing to support, particularly through reprioritized funds. And those are the plans that institutions are currently putting together on the basis of the detailed um, uh, principles that we've put in place. I think that's the first thing. So um, by the end of next week, we will have complete plans ready for the minister's approval in terms of those um, processes. And I suppose that the issue of um, the differential opening is another point that was request, was asked. What if we have different um, levels of uh, risk assessment in different districts or different provinces? Will that affect the institutions? And the answer is yes. We are looking at um, the risk levels as a basis for deciding how institutions will start um, phasing students in. But um, if a particular province is at level four and another one is at level three, they will be they will be starting and, and will be at different um, in at different as part, parts of the process for going forward. Um, in terms of support to missing middle students, although there isn't any government support to missing middle students, institutions are putting in and many institutions have processes through which Missing middle students may um, buy devices uh, through the institutions on loan to buy schemes, but it is an area that we are needing to think about in more detail, as the minister had indicated. Um, I think the, the issue of um, 
the um, let me just check the deregistration. Minister's absolutely right, has given a complete um, description of that. But the one thing we have become aware of is that under the current lockdown um, conditions, some individual parents and students are worrying about their specific um, uh, issues and requesting uh, deregistration. Um, I think um, that really does cover cover everything. I think everything else was okay, about. Thank you very much, Diane. <coughs> thank can you. we go? Can we go to um, uh, Tibet? Tibet. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honourable yeah. Chair. I'll just go through it as quickly as possible. The Honourable Nadada. Uh, yes, Tibets will be getting devices. Um, and it's all incorporated into the same plans that are in place for universities. It might not be the first priority. It's part of the same plan, but purely in terms of timeframes, uh, universities will be prioritized and the funding, at least for now, will come from savings from NISFAS. So we do have a pot of money and um, the administrator can give a lot more detail on that. I don't want to take the time That's here. Very quickly. Sorry. Can you please switch you on the video? Okay. All right. Uh, in terms of student representation, the students, all students are represented in the ministerial task team, which is chaired by the deputy minister on behalf of the minister. So that meeting takes place every week, and it is in that meeting that the presentations are made and the students make their inputs, both for universities and for TVET colleges. So that is how we deal with that. In terms of the T3 funding for students, none of that will be forfeited either to the colleges or to the students. So whatever commitments are made, whilst the students are registered and they are studying, if they are in T1, T2, and if T3 goes into next year, they remain funded. All those adjustments will be made, and those, those um, factors have already been considered. Um, in terms of how will we deal, and, and Dr. Park was asked the same thing, there's a discrepancy in levels between the different areas. I did partially cover that. The bulk of our colleges, and if what the president said holds, will be at level three. For those that fall into those, those geographical areas that are declared level four, level four means the, the measures, the, the, the safety measures will have to be intensified. But of course, if for whatever reason there's a level five declared anywhere, then the, the hard lockdown of level five will have to be observed for those uh, regions where those colleges are. And we'll have to look at ways whether we can save the time for the students okay. or just, we can... Just wrap up, madam. You are making another presentation. Lots of questions. <laughs> okay. Um, then just probably to just deal very quickly with the um, Honorable Kietze, who says, how do we deal with so many modules, you know, TV and other broadcasts? We just work on the priority of subjects where there are high enrollments. We can't cover everything. It's not just one modality that is used. It is uh, multiple modalities that are used by colleges in reaching students. And um, in terms of the extended time, 
Whether we have started working on the revised timetables, yes, colleges have started working on the revised timetables. And um, the question of whether we'll need additional capacity for lecturers is, is not the case, because when students are divided, that's why we said there'll be a period of self-study. Self so there won't be additional time for lecturers because they can't procure, they can't hire lecturers for this time. I think that's about covered most of it. Or, and, and of course, I, the other one was for noting from Honorable Yabo that colleges need to communicate more with their students. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Emre. Uh, CET, one minute. The, the dates I referred to, which is 23, 25, 27, are dates right at the end of the month from which we have to plan back and then set weekly targets so that by the time those dates come, those targets have been achieved. And that is how we put those dates. And there is a lot, there is a plan for, for colleges to go towards achieving their activities by that date. Thanks. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for all of you for the responses. Um, I think as we release the minister, can we all please uh, mute our mics? Thank you very much. Uh, <clears throat> so as we release the minister, I think we will, uh, it's a matter that this issue about the saving the 2020 academic year, it's a matter that we will keep high on our agenda. So that as and when we think that there is a need, we will then get back to it so that we can continue to interact so that we get clarity as to exactly how, um, are we going to save the 2020 uh, academic year? Well, uh, with regard to, if I may just comment on the issue of uh, the different roles uh, about the different roles between parliament and the executive. Uh, <clears throat> I think we will continue to respect that uh, honorable minister. And as we discuss, if and when there is a need for us to interact with the department on a matter, we will always do that. Like we have always done that when we invited UniZulu, for instance, you did indicate that uh, there is some discussion between the ministry and UniZulu, and we said, let's allow those discussions to continue. So we will always uh, have that kind of a relationship. Uh, <clears throat> but one thing which we must make for certain I think it's a, we as a portfolio committee, uh, we have taken a view that we need to be closer to the action. We need to get a sense of what is happening in each of the universities and the Tibet colleges and the CET. So as and when we think that we need to interact with any particular university, we will do so. And we are going to be very firm in holding them to account because they are holding public office, they must be answerable to the public. And parliament as a, as a forum uh, for that represents the broader views of society is an appropriate forum to hold them to account. But even yourself, minister, you must continue to do that. So thank you very much on that note. Uh, can we then wrap up this one?
and then uh, invite the DG uh, to then take us through the APP. Now we've taken uh, more than enough time on that other subject, so we are only we are going to be very strict on time. Uh, uh, comrade Gwebs, uh, we will allocate 30 minutes for the APP and the strat plan and then we'll allocate about 10 minutes for the budget. Uh, so we hope that uh, you'll, uh, you'll be able to summarize uh, particularly the strat plan and on the APP you don't have to take us uh, item by item but where you think that you need to emphasize please do so. <clears throat> Can I, is Honorable Nchamilin still in the house? Okay, uh, the Honorable Chavilian was struggling with the with this network. Are you ready, TG? Thank you, Chair. Uh, the slide is projected up there. Uh, good evening, Honorable Chair, uh, Minister, Deputy Minister, Honorable Members, and my colleagues uh, in the department, as well as special advisors to the Minister and staff in the ministry. Uh, it is my pleasure, uh, Chair, to present to this uh, joint sitting uh, of the Portfolio Committee on Higher Education, Science and Innovation, as well as Select Committee on Education, Technology, Sports, Arts and Culture. Uh, this is just an outline of the issues that we'll be talking about. Uh, contained here in this presentation. In the next slide, Chair, we're just here emphasizing and bringing to the attention of the honorable members the pieces of legislation where we derive our mandate from, which is the Higher Education Act, Continuing Education and Training Act, National Qualifications Framework Act, uh, Skills Development Act, Skills, Levy, Skills Development Levies Act, General and Further Education and Training Quality Assurance Act, uh, the National Student Financial Aid Scheme Act, uh, South African Council for Educators Act. All these pieces of legislation are the ones uh, from which we derive our mandate. There are also policies and strategic documents uh, that we map out uh, our strategy uh, based on what is contained in them. The NDP, which sets the vision for the PSET, the white paper for PSET, and the draft national plan for PSET, which are instruments central to the achievement of our vision in the system. Uh, we have as well the National Skills Development Plan, uh, which is uh, setting up skills development priorities for the period up to 2030, amongst others. Uh, if we go on, uh, the, the following are the policy priorities of the department, a transformed non-discriminatory youth-focused PSET system, 
an expanded diverse purpose full differentiated fit for purpose PSAT system, an articulated PSAT system, an accessible and successful PSAT system, a PSAT system that is strongly linked to the world of work. Now, there are critical challenges that confront the system in its various components. If you look at the university sector, the question of the completion of infrastructure projects due to the capacity constraints at universities, municipal bulk services, municipal and heritage uh, approvals are some of the critical challenges that confront our institutions. Limited and poorly maintained student housing to support a conducive environment for learning. Low throughput rates, especially in diploma qualifications and qualifications delivered through distance education. You know, the throughput rate uh, chair in distance education uh, currently is 26.7% after 10 years of study. The dropout rate is 62.7%. Then the 10.6% is still in the system, but incomplete within this 10-year uh, period. Uh, in respect to conduct programs in the system, the throughput rate stands at 68.7%. And I think this is a matter that we have to consider uh, quite seriously in respect to the nature of the challenges that are confronting society as well as our institutions at the present moment. Uh, the obligation to transform the sector, including institutional language policies, curriculum, and institutional cultures, perverse incentives to research productivity, and the effect of this on research uh, quality. And I think this came out uh, in the assessor's report uh, at the University of Forte, uh, which was later gazetted by the minister. The varying quality of teaching and learning across institutions and programs. Uh, the, if you look at the TVET college level, the deficit in program quality and the professional capacity of staff weak management information systems, weak partnerships between uh, TVET colleges and industry, placement of college graduates uh, in jobs as they complete their studies, poor throughput as well, uh, poor governance and management of colleges in some respects. If you look at TCT sector, the poorly qualified lecturers, limited program offerings, governance and management challenges, information collection and analysis, disparate conditions uh, of service. Uh, uh, you look at CETAS, poor governance, inadequate human resources, poor administration and financial management, inadequate monitoring and evaluation, no accurate records of the number of people who have benefited from the system and what the impact has been thereof, the limited or no linkages with the post-school education and training uh, system. Uh, in respect to the infrastructure, I think the minister spoke uh, quite intensely on this matter. The department is currently carrying 
out infrastructure support for the universities and TVET colleges in a fragmented manner, no infrastructure funding for CT colleges, insufficient student housing for all students who require it remains a challenge. The TVET subsystem has not had a planned expansion program since the recapitalization program, which ended in 2008. There is also a lack of institutional capacity to spend and life cycle planning in the system. Most of work, uh, most work of capital nature at the Tivet College level has largely focused on refurbishment of the buildings or restructuring a few extra buildings on existing uh, campuses. There are financial challenges as well, which are confronting uh, the system in all what we are saying will be providing. For instance, PSET institutions largely depend on government funding, which is limited, as we all know. The dire fiscal situation deems prospects for the immediate future. A need to ensure a stable funding system that is providing efficient support to students and institutions to support student success. COVID-19 has put enormous pressure on funding of the system. Potential decreases in baseline funding threatens the growth and sustainability of the system. Uh, the National Treasury has indicated uh, of about 20% budget cuts across the system. We are still engaging in that space. We may succeed, we may not succeed, but we must know that it's going to affect universities, it's going to affect TVET colleges, is going to affect community education and training colleges, as well as the administration at a head office level, because uh, they've made it quite clear that there is no department which is going to be spared uh, of these cuts in order to at least complement uh, the empty purse in the base in the fiscals. So these are the challenges, Chair. In all what we are discussing, it's a matter that would be quite important to bear in mind. The need to work towards a financial and aid system that is inclusive of missing middle uh, students. Their engagements with National Treasure, DPME, as well as the Department of Higher Education and Training in order to come up with an ecosystem of funding that would be able to accommodate everybody. But the biggest elephant in the room is insufficiency of funding. Need to address the lack of funding for the missing middle students. Sustainability and effective administration of NESFAS is key to the success of the financial aid system. The effective implementation of the DHET bursary scheme is also critical for the success of the PSET system in ensuring that students are taken care of in both TVET colleges as well as universities. This is our vision, Chair, uh, of an integrated and coordinated research system for improved economic participation and social development of youth and adults. And our mission is to provide strategic leadership to the research system through development of appropriate st steering mechanisms, effective oversight, monitoring and evaluation, as well as provision of support services in relation to teaching and learning in our institutions. Funding thereof uh, of PSET institutions and entities. Uh, in this five-year strategic plan, 
These are the outcomes. Uh, the expanded access to PSET system, improved efficiency and success of the PSET system, improved quality of PSET uh, provision, a responsive PSET system, and excellent business operations within the DHET in order for us to be able to give adequate support to our institutions. Now, if you take uh, outcome one, which is expanded access to, to PSET system, uh, over the next five years, the system will expand to provide additional spaces in higher education in line with the MTSF uh, targets. Uh, we, we are looking uh, to enhance uh, the planned expansion in terms of the current enrollment plans of institutions. There are two new institutions will be established as announced by the president in the SONA 2020. Uh, however, in terms of the Higher Education Act, there are processes that we need to follow, feasibility study and the designation of what type of an institution will it be. Will it be a university college or will it be an education college? Those are the processes that we'll be following. Uh, the institutions can initially be established, uh, as I indicated earlier on, and then the development of the plan for each institution would have to be finalized and a project management team would be put in place as the minister has actually uh, indicated earlier on. A plan for the establishment of this new institution based on the feasibility study we think will be finalized by July 2021 and then the funding for the new institutions in line with the fi findings of the feasibility will actually have to be hashed out and voted funds would have to be secured from the national uh, fiscals. And this has to be an appropriated funding for this specific purpose. And then the promulgation of the new institution as a university college in terms of the Higher Education Act and also determining uh, the first intake of students which we are looking at to be 2022 uh, in January. Now, a 10-year development plan for the growth of the university college to establish a fully-fledged university by March 2023, uh, because we learned from the establishment of these two new universities in Pumalanga and in the Northern Cape that, in actual fact, it's a lot of work uh, to just go straight and establish an institution as a university. You need a, a long-term uh, strategy with definite phases and milestones. And the institution would have then to operate fully, uh, meeting all what has been contained uh, in the feasibility study. So the expansion of the PSET system requires a very careful and systemic enrollment planning process that is in line with available resources, capacity, and funding as well. Together with universities, TVET and the CET colleges, the department will develop enrollment plans for the period 2020 to 2025. The aim really is to increase annual enrollments in PSET by 2025. This will be supported by funding of qualifying students through NASFAS, increasing the numbers of qualified teaching staff, regulating as well tuition 
uh, fees. Now, if you look at five-year outcome targets that we have worked out, uh, I won't be dwelling that much because these are merely numbers basically in respect to targets. So the number of students enrolled in public universities uh, were looking to increase from 1 million 85,566 in 2028 to 1,131,000 uh, by 2025. And the enrollment in TVET colleges uh, were looking at in increasing from 657,133 in 2018 uh, to 710,000 and remain constant between 2020 and 2025 due to the funding shortfall averaging at around 800 million per annum. That is the shortfall in respect to effecting enrollment in TVET colleges at the present moment. And it's a, recur it's a recurring uh, uh, dimension in the, in the system. So enrollments at CET colleges will increase from 258,199 in 194 by 2025. 450,000 university and 340,000 TVET college students will receive funding from NESFAS. Learners entering artisanal programs will also increase uh, up to 36,375 uh, by 2025. An annual number of learners as well as students in web-based learning will also increase from 182,852 to 190,000 by 2025. We're also looking at implementing an integrated infrastructure development support programs. And I think the minister has alluded uh, in respect to this uh, in consolidating infrastructure support uh, for the entire PSET system and integrate what is currently fragmented. Uh, this infrastructure will further develop, manage, and maintain regularly and regularly update the macro infrastructure framework for the PSET uh, across, continue to develop infrastructure-related minimum norms and standards for the PSET and extend this infrastructure to support the entire PSET system, monitor and evaluation thereof. Then the establishment of the Imbali Education Precinct I think the minister explained this quite eloquently uh, in respect to what we're intending to do so that there is proper integration and sharing collaboration amongst our institutions. Outcome two, which is in respect to improve success and efficiency of PSET system, the department will strive to increase efficiency and success across all PSET sectors by implementing university capacity development program to improve student success in universities where we support staff development as well as dedicated student support for psychosocial assistance so that they are able to adapt, acclimatize uh, quickly and be taught as to how to approach their studies. Uh, increase the number of TVET students who are enrolling in pre-vocational learning deal with the inefficiencies in TVET examination system by implementing IT examination system by 2021-22 and improving turnaround time uh, in uh, giving out certificates. 
uh, we intend to increase the number of students completing a university qualification annually from 210,931 in 2017 to 237,000 by 2025, as well as increase the number uh, of UTVET college students uh, completing N6 qualification annually uh, to increase from 60,642 in 2019 to 76,000 2025. The throughput rate in both TVET and university sectors will increase uh, to 45% uh, from 32% in, in 2017 and six to 63% from 58% in the 20 in the 2008 cohort respectively by 2025. Uh, they are, these are the targets for uh, CET colleges, 55,000 uh, artisanal artisans who are found to be competent. Uh, we want them to increase to 26,500 in 2025. And if you look at outcome three, uh, chair, improved quality of PSET provisioning. Uh, want to meet the 2030 NDP targets every institution across the entire PSET system will need to improve the quality of its provision. Better teaching will be supported for, by professionalizing and increasing the number of full, uh, qualifications and expertise of lecturers at universities, TVET, and CET colleges. Uh, the, the targets uh, that we are looking at getting, uh, the university lecturers, who are, that is permanent instruction research staff who hold doctoral degrees will increase from 46% to 51%. Uh, TVET colleges, lecturers uh, with professional qualifications to increase to 60%. Uh, 10 universities will offer accredited TVET college lecturer qualifi qualifications from the current five by 2024, so that we can be able uh, to increase the numbers of lecturers who are qualified to teach at a TVET college level. Uh, 3,770 cumulatively CET teachers will receive training by 2025. We'll continue support the implementation of staffing South Africa's university framework and the following annual targets for uh, this objective for the five-year period are envisaged uh, allocating 100 new generation of academics program that is NGAP lecturer posts uh, to universities per annum that's 500 in all allocating 50 doctoral scholarships to universities through the university staff development doctoral staff doctoral program to award to permanent instructional or research staff members per annum, that's 250 all. 50 awards will be made uh, to permanent instructional research staff to universities to participate in the future professors program uh, per annum, that's 250 in all. And we're making an emphasis and a condition that this program should be 80% black uh, and women then institutions can play with 20%, but 80% is quite compulsory. Good governance across the PSET system institutions will be given attention, ensuring that 
governance standards are adhered to. Now, if you look at outcome three, uh, improving the quality of PSET provisioning, uh, we are looking at ensuring that uh, uh, the sector develops the HDI development program so that these institutions are capacitated to offer quality programs uh, as well in their own right. So the program is fully described as historical disadvantaged institution development program framework that was workshopped and finalized with all the universities. Uh, this pro framework sets six strategic priority areas for development uh, focus as shown in the diagram that I'll show in the, in the next slide. Once approved by the minister, the program will be implemented over the next five years. So we want then to ensure that one, we strengthen institutional management and governance systems, improve institutional infrastructure facilities, enhance the student experience, enable effective staff recruitment, development, and retention. And fifthly, strengthen the academic enterprise of these institutions, because each institution is good as its academic enterprise. That's what attracts parents. That's what attracts students to choose to go to specific institutions. It's because they know that once it comes to the academic enterprise of that institution, I will become a better person who would be contributing better uh, in, in the lives of our family as well as the country. Sixth, we leverage locality and community engagement in the process. Uh, we are looking outcome number four to establish a responsive uh, PSAT system. The objective is to provide qualification programs and curricula that are responsive to the needs of the world of work, society, and students. This we do throughout uh, our system. We promote greater cooperation between PSET institutions and the world of work. That's what this uh, diagram is actually showing. Uh, focusing, focus will be on the connections and interactions amongst these uh, facilities. The targeted interventions over the next five years include facilitating work exposure opportunities for TVET uh, college lecturers. Uh, these are our targets, establishing industry partnerships to ensure curricula meets the needs uh, of the industry. That is demonstrated in the centers of specialization that we're rolling out at the present moment. Promote entrepreneurship in TVET colleges through the enrollment of uh, establishment of nine hubs by 2025. Uh, train 36,000 young artisans through the centers of specialization in our system. We introduce incrementally compulsory digital skills training specific to program offerings at TVET colleges to all 50 colleges over the next five years, because this question of digital skills is quite key in taking the country forward and in building our economy. We're looking at supporting universities to implement student-focused entrepreneurship uh, programs. And the impact that we want to make is to improve social and economic development through the PSET system, uh, through the pockets that we have. 
hashed out in there. For instance, increased participation as a result of expanded uh, opportunities and optimal use of resources in the PISAT system and so on. These are the risks, uh, Chair, and uh, what and how we are looking at mitigating uh, them. We know that every outcome has risks that are pertinent to it. Uh, for instance, the question of funding and how we are going to mitigate uh, these risks as we have identified uh, is actually explained in this slide. Uh, the next slide, Chair, is talking about collaboration with other departments and public uh, entities. Uh, the work that we are doing, uh, we are getting support and we're also supporting other government departments, you know, out there. For instance, there is work that we're doing with the Department of Science and Innovation, uh, which supports to realize the outcomes through various interventions. Uh, for instance, uh, the training of PhD students through National Research Foundation, and also not less than 24,000 pipeline postgraduate students will be awarded bursaries through NRF, uh, 3,000 emerging researcher grants to improve the percentage of PhDs, uh, qualified staff at our universities, and also the placement uh, of 3,750 graduates and students uh, in DSI-funded work uh, preparation programs in science, engineering, technology, innovation uh, institutions by 2025. Uh, we are also ensuring that we are working with other government departments. Uh, for instance, the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural uh, Development is enrolling a number of students in there. And the Department of Employment and the Labor will also train 9,016 unemployed persons through UIF. Uh, we are also working with other uh, departments in various strategies, but these we are actually working quite closely with them because we're having programs that are running concurrently uh, with them across the system. Uh, we are also working with our public uh, entities uh, that are reporting to the Minister of Higher Education, uh, Science and Innovation. They have committed uh, that they would support DHET to realize uh, its outcomes. That is the CITAS, uh, Council on Higher Education, uh, SAQA, NESFAS, National Skills Fund. The, the key outcome indicators uh, is in respect to enrollments in PSET system by sector, students receiving uh, funding through NESFAS bursaries by sector, learners registered for CETA supported programs. Okay. Uh, countrywide. Uh, the indicators are still going to talk to them when we deal with the APPs, eh? so you don't have to go to them one by one. Thank you, Chair. Can you, can you wrap it up here so that we can briefly get the APP? I think in the main, uh, we've, we've had the gist of the strat plan. Yeah, just use uh, one or two minutes to wrap up and then Let's go to the APP. That's correct. I was on the last pay, uh, page on this one, uh, Chair. Uh, okay. It was the following 
on slide 39 is the planned infrastructure and the infrastructure which we are rolling out uh, at the present moment. Now, if we are getting to the APP, uh, program one is administration. Yeah, you see, you have got, you have got about uh, uh, five minutes to finalize this one because I think you spend a lot of time on the strat plan. No, thank you, thank you, chair. Thank you, okay. chair. Uh, on this one, we are just internal processes that are supporting the system. Worked out uh, the timelines and the quantum in respect to when those matters will be resolved. Uh, the next one is planning program two which is looking at providing strategic direction in the development and implementation of monitoring and development of policies uh, in, the, in, in the department. Uh, it's helping us into coordinating things, strategy for expanding online learning amongst others. Uh, the key outputs in it uh, is in respect to publishing quite a number of reports and doing research uh, in areas of critical skills uh, and it's working out milestones when those would be uh, finalized. Uh, the program three, university education, is mainly talking to uh, the development and coordination of policy regulations that would enable us to be able to give effect in the support that we're giving to universities as well as mobilizing funds uh, that are required uh, we'll be doing this by ensuring that we develop framework in monitoring and submitting regulations that are required for the approval of the minister uh, so that uh, these become a guide to institutions in respect to the work they are supposed to be doing. There are key outputs uh, for the 2020-21 uh, financial year in respect to all the reports and frameworks that we need to develop uh, for ministers' approval, uh, amongst uh, other things, as well as the reports that we need all the time, whether it's in respect to nurturing the Emerging Scholars Program, uh, University Capacity Development Program, as well as central appl application system that we need to establish. Uh, we are talking then uh, about producing the reports uh, on the following areas slide 46 uh, if you go over uh, it's also talking about these reports that we need to uh, produce chair in respect to the university education uh, branch on tivet we're really talking here in the main about uh, the plan uh, to develop implement monitor and maintain and evaluate national policy program assessment practices and system for the uh, college, for TVET colleges across the country. And we need to provide financial support uh, to colleges as well as regional offices so that they are able to undertake these uh, key responsibilities that are outlined here on, on page 46. As well, 49, we have to produce the reports that are actually talking to the programs that we are running. Uh, we are also supported by the Germans in respect to building the capacity of the system and also ensuring that we tighten up and strengthen the system of examinations, of conducting examinations in the, in the, in the department. We have to support TVET college lecturers into attaining qualifications 
as some of them do not have appropriate qualifications uh, for them to be able to teach there. And we work out and produce regulations that are required. And the question of the infrastructure maintenance and norms and standards is quite important. And we are also looking at developing a plan for entrepreneurship hubs in the system so that students can be able to work for themselves so that they don't look for a job out there. And this would be done into ensuring that we re-engineer the curriculum for TVET colleges, which would have to ensure that digital skills are taught in the entire system. Skills branch is quite straightforward, Chair, because this is the work that we work in coordination of the skills uh, of the sitters and monitoring them in order for them to produce the numbers and the targets that are actually outlined there. Program six is community education and the training colleges. And I think uh, even in the previous uh, engagements, uh, it was actually outlined there. Uh, we're developing guidelines here for open access in respect to learning and teaching support material for uh, TVET college uh, staff, uh, center managers, and everybody who is in that space into ensuring that they get support. We're just quantifying what we need to do at a given uh, point in time. We are at a budget uh, structure of which the CFO would take us through, uh, Chair, with your permission. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. I uh, will give him uh, uh, five minutes to do that. CFO. Uh, CFO. Is he in the house? <clears throat> Can you hear me now, Jay? Okay, yeah, no, go, go yeah. ahead. Looking for you, CFO. Thanks, DG Chairperson. Uh, first slide just indicates the six programs which the budget is distributed. So we can go to slide number 58. Uh, just to emphasize sources, normal voted funds, charges, which are this. What's happening now? Honorable just mute your mic. Eh? Thank you. CFO, just switch on your your video. Oh, the reception is. Uh, it's unfortunately not working today. I see it stays blank. Okay. So, on slide 58 at the bottom, it gives the distribution of voted funds versus the skills levy. Uh, just to emphasize that those are the numbers as it is currently in the E&E &E, uh, and probably for the current financial year 2020-21 as indicated by the DG, there may be major adjustments. But currently we have total voted funds 116.857 billion rand for the first year and it goes up to 129.343 billion rand in the third year. So on the next slide, uh, just to indicate, if we take the voted funds, excluding direct charges, which is the skills levies, 
Uh, we have an average annual increase of 6.3% over the MTF, starting from 89 billion uh, previous year up to the 107.4 billion in 2020-23. There's a marked slowdown in the average annual rate, uh, which is now 9.6% or was 9.6% in the 2019 MTF. That is mainly due to the flattening of the substantive increases that the department received during the 2018 MTF. And there were also some budget baseline reductions. Despite the slowdown, higher education spending remains one of the largest expenditure items in terms of the GDP, if you look at national government expenditure, and also as a percentage of national government expenditure as a whole. The next two slides, Chair, number 60 and 61, have the net baseline reductions uh, on the budget for the 2020 MTF, as it is in the ENE currently. Over the three years, uh, for the first year, 2020-21, there was a reduction of 1.3 billion rand. The second year, 1.6 billion and a similar amount for the third year, 2022-23. The next uh, three bullets, as well as the next slide, just gives you the exact details uh, of that amount and where the main cuts uh, were on the budget of the department for that period. On slide number 62, it gives you some of the budget trends and it shows you the year-on-year -year growth, for example, which you can see as indicated as a bit of a slowdown. Relatively stable in terms of percentage of GDP, although there's a slight decline from 2.15% going to 2.11%. Important to note, there's an increasing trend when we look at higher education spending uh, compared to total education spending which is for this year standing at 29.9%, it's going up to 30.16%. And so if we look at the higher education share in national expenditure, the last line, which increased from 15.42% and going up to 16.21%. The next slide here just shows the skills levy, the current contributions as in the ENE, uh, for 2020-21, we have a total of 19.4 billion. CETAS uh, receiving the 80% portion, the NSF the 20% portion, and for 21-22, 20.5 billion coming to 22 billion in 22-23. Uh, currently, the increase is an average rate of 5.4%. So if we look at the department's own budget, once again, Chair, university education still represents the biggest portion of the budget, which is at 82% in the current financial year. And that is because of the subsidy payments to universities, as well as to NSFAS, noting that the full NSFAS contribution, including TVET colleges, is under the university branch, mm -hmm. as branch is... Oh, okay. Side of NSFAS as an entity. The 
Budget is also dominated by transfer payments in terms of the economic classification and normal operational spending remains limited. That places a limitation on the department, mainly in terms of the monitoring and evaluation of the system as a whole. The next four slides here, they just break down of the program and economic classification. CFO. Yes, Jeff. Any slides are you left with? Okay, we can skip the four slides, which are the tables, selecting all the numbers, and then indicate uh, slide number 69, which is quite important at this point. Um, we just indicated that we have been doing some reprioritizations within our operational budget to allow us to have some uh, purchases regarding glass face marks and sanitizers within the department. Uh, also important to note that transfer capacity is managed through national treasury and an instruction in terms of section 29 of the PFMA which limit the expenditure of the department to 45% up to the end of July and thereafter a maximum of 10% of the previous year's allocation. Um, that will be in place until all the budget votes have been approved by Parliament. So that is something that we are currently carefully managed to ensure that we do not go over the limitations of Section 29. Apart from that, nothing more. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much uh, to the DG and uh, to the CFO. Uh, can we use uh, the next uh, 20 minutes to engage? Uh, let me just take hands from the honorable members. Uh, we are going to apply the two minutes rule because of uh, the time constraints we have. Um, okay, uh, Honorable Mananiso, Honorable Nuovo, Honorable uh, Notada. Um, Honorable Kacha, Honorable Koshov, Kietzi, Honorable Tuli, yeah, in that order, Honorable Maleka, that will be the last. Can you get Honorable Mananiso? Honorable Mananiso, are you ready? Yes, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, kindly allow me not to use the video because I want to refer on my notes on my phone. Okay. Firstly, I would like to indicate on the issue of uh, the department's plan. I don't see anything that speaks about gender-based violence as part and parcel of their plans, because we would know that these are the issues that last year we spoke loud about. So I don't see anything that it's reflecting. And on program one, on the issue of administration, uh, there's an indication that there would be 11.8 million 
that is allocated for spending on consultants, business and advisory services. So I want to check with the department what consultant services and how much will they procure under this particular program, whether the department does, does have in-house capacity to render the services, what is the estimated cost per service. The other issue is on the TVET. I want one. to check with... Chairperson? The last one. The Hello? last issue. Okay. The other one is how... Uh, the budget allocation for sub-program four, national examination and assessment has decreased by 60.7 million from 694.3 million in 2019 to 2020. This program has previously been underfunded. So I want to know why the budget of this critical sub-program is decreased. What impact will the budget decrease have on the operational Pro, uh, sub program. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Thank you very much, Honorable Two minutes. Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, I'll just take a minute. I want to uh, just uh, take one point. It's uh, on learner accommodation, Chairperson. Uh, we have been laboring this on this point for quite a long time. Uh, I mean, if uh, learners do not have accommodation, it becomes a source of all social social ills. Now, uh, it, 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 this point has not been given uh, sufficient attention in terms of budgeting and 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 and, and, and otherwise. Uh, we one has the feeling. Uh, that something ha really has to be done now because uh, next year it will be the same story. Uh, the coming uh, uh, year it will be the same story. Uh, and, and then, Chair, uh, I said one, but then the very last one, it's the missing, the missing middle uh, seemed to be neglected. I spoke to it earlier on. Uh, you see, the problem, uh, if the missing middle is not properly accommodated, we are running a risk here uh, of actually destroying people, people who have already loaned for their learners to go to uh, the institutions, now have to loan uh, 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 for, for, for further assistance in terms of many other things like gadgets, for instance, things that we are talking about. I just wanted to raise those two. Uh, All right, thank you very much, Honorable Nguabo. Uh, Honorable Nguabo, is it putting error here or that how you wanted your ceiling to be pronounced? Okay. Sorry, Jeff. On the screen, is it a spelling error? Is it a spelling error? There no data. No, you know, Jeff, these devices do this thing of code, uh, called autocorrect. I can't control it, okay. Jeff. <laughs> All right, so, fine. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, you are being managed today, but it's fine. Accept uh, you know, the management of virtual meetings, but I think we must limit the presentations in the future, Chair. Um, chair, I wanted to check. Um, we we currently in COVID during a, a you know a pandemic pandemic period of COVID nineteen that forces us to have virtual meetings, um, um, digital communication. I wanted to check what the department. 
which measures are put in place for online or digital capabilities, especially for TVET colleges, of which majority of them don't have Wi-Fi? You've got uh, a lot of students there that, that don't have digital devices um, at all. Um, so if maybe the department can just indicate what measures have been put in place uh, to make sure that there's a massive expansion of um, Wi-Fi in the TVET uh, sector, and maybe a consideration uh, like we did in our Blue Book document to say, um, is it not high time maybe we reconsider the book allowance to have uh, something around, you know, data allowances or being able to get devices uh, for students? And then secondly, Honorable Noah did um, touch on this thing of student accommodation, but I wanted to check on the budget. Uh, what, what, what is the target for beds and the budget allocation for student accommodation, particularly in the TVET sector? And then my last question, Chair, is that university education receives a bulk of the budget. Like massive, the, massive, the, massive, the massive budget goes to university education. Sorry, sorry Honorable. Honorable Notada, sorry. There is somebody whose mic is on and it's really disturbing us. And is the radio honorable? There, there is a member, a guest here, Nolutando. Okay, the mic is off. All right, thanks, Chair. The, the last question was university, university education receives bulk, the bulk of the budget, Chair. Um, what are the reasons for this? Because I see that there is no increase at all for the TBET or CETs, yet the department strategic plan and APP speaks in phases about making sure that we teach, you know, digital, we go to, to digital in terms of courses, majority of the skills that we need right now needs to be trained through the TBET space um, and the skills development space, but the budget still remains stagnant. And if you look at the, um, if you look at the, 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 the targets on the program have increased to about 19. So if maybe we can get an indication of, of, of what is happening there, uh, chair, but I'll leave it at that, Chair, since we're being, uh, being managed. Okay, Honorable Nchavile, uh, can you hear me? Honorable Nchavile, your mic was on, and I think it was creating some a bit of noise. Please just mute it. Uh, and all the participants, please, let's mute our mics. <clears throat> okay, the next one is uh, thank you, Honorable Nodada, and next is Honorable Mkach. Um, thank you very much, Chairperson, um, and thank you to the DG for the presentation. Chair, I think um, having done oversight and gone to institutions uh, like TUT, um, Bar University, and Univen. Um, infrastructure development um, has been of great concern to, to, to the political committee. Um, Chair, so we must uh, perhaps welcome the plans that the minister and the DG have spoken to um, with regards to how monitoring and evaluation and the delivery of infrastructure across the PSET system um, will be worked on to ensure quality and value for money. Um, and Chair, perhaps in the development of that particular plan or the expansion of that plan, um, we always fail to understand what the repercussions are for people who are meant to complete uh, res buildings, um, lecture buildings in 2015 and in 2020, they're still not done. So I think um, the, the task team that the minister spoke to 
really needs to sort of give us clarity on how on what the repercussions will be for people who don't follow through. Chair, I would assume that it would be the department's responsibility to mandate its entities on particular plans and goals. So, for example, the issue around the disparities of funding that happen between um, the various uh, programs of the department, universities, TVETs and CETs, particularly on the stipend issue um, going, you know, mandating NASFAS on the stipend issue chair. Um, one would have wanted to hear um, that sort of articulation. Um, Chair, you know, with time, it's, it's, it's very challenging to sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, <laughs> truly properly express yourself. But the last question would be on page 14. My, mic is, my mic is muted. <laughs> Technology. Uh, yeah. The uh, next issue, Chair, I mean, okay. this, is, this speaks to how do you expect students to to do their work when um, we as members of parliament can't do our own work uh, due to network. But Chair, perhaps my, my last uh, question um, would speak to page 40 uh, on program one. There were many, there were many posts that were acting when we, we, when we started our journey with the department, many DDGs and directors that were acting. Um, can we have an indication from the DG whether or not most of those actually all of those posts um, have been have been filled, Chair. I I can't do justice to to this particular conversation at the moment. So um, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Anamukacho. I know it's it's quite difficult. We we spend a lot of time in the first presentation, and I think the presenters really did not do justice to us. Uh, we allowed them to present. They went on and on and on and on. So we are now finding ourselves having to limit time on this important one. But it's fine. Let's get the Honorable Bosch of two minutes. Thank you, uh, Chair. I just want to get my notes in front of me. Um, I'm responding to slide 27 about staffing South African universities. Now, it, it is noted as obvious, it doesn't even stand in the uh, in the text, that this development program is reserved 80% for black academics or prospective academics. Now, my question is, does the department realize that the message of this to white students is that they are not expected to perform well, they are expected to be black? And similarly, to black prospective academics, they are not, to expect, not expected to be excellent because they are black. The net result is not to encourage transformation, but mediocrity, for some because they disregard the academy as a possible career, and for others because the message is less than your best is good enough. Have the unintended consequences been thought through? Thank you, Chair. <laughs> yeah, that was a political statement, Honorable Bosho. I don't know whether you want the administrators to deal with that. Uh, the, the minister has left, but we can uh, we can engage with those issues that we are raising. It's government policy. Honorable Gates. No, thanks, I think uh, as we have mentioned earlier on in our submissions, we would write to, we will write uh, questions with regard to the APPs to the minister, because I don't think it will be justifiable for us to just rush and rush to wishy-wishy on this issue. But okay. uh, just to quickly, yeah, right. I've, I've, I've already... Okay, let me just help you. What I suggest, raise the question if you do have and then we will then ask the minister to 
make a written response so that all the members can get your response. All right, one. I've had ministers speak, speaking, and of course it's here in the the the, 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 the plan, annual plan. The, the establishment of two universities. Uh, we mention this because we do not want a situation where the government fails again to establish a university from scratch. And I think the DG has explained earlier on to say they have learned through the experience of uh, 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 University of Mpumalanga together with uh, Sol Plachi. It's quite difficult to start a university from scratch. And we have made, and this is what we have asked before, it's not the first that, why don't we get existing institutions to extend their campuses? I mean, already there's capacity, already there are mechanisms in place for us to move in that regard. Than wanting to sound much more sophisticated and relevant to say you will start a, a university from scratch. If you remember, there was a proposal of a university in Ekuru Lane, the same Ekuru Lane, which dismally failed. And maybe we should be taken into confidence in, in terms of what led to the failure of that uh, institutions when the, at that time when uh, there was a merge of Rao and other institutions. And uh, with, with regard to the, the, the PISA challenges, I've I have noted a trend there, and it is a trend that I am convinced that it exists in each, if not all, entities of government. The poor governance, the poor financial management, and the poor management in, 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 in its entirety. You look at the problems in see the, 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 college, uh, the community colleges. The problem there is poor governance, is poor management. You go to Tibet colleges, it's the same thing, poor management, poor governance. You go to our CITAS, problematic in, one of the most problematic entities, which is CITA. The problems there, poor governance, poor financial management. I think uh, this should ring a bell without dwelling much into other issues. It should ring a bell in terms of what needs to happen uh, with regard to accountability, amongst other things, Chair. I will leave it there. Okay. Thank you very much. I think that question will be sent to the minister for a written response. If you want a response from the minister. Um, Honorable Bulutuli and Maleka. Uh, thank you again, Chairperson. Uh, on page 11 of the strategic plan, uh, the department did mention that uh, it should be a focus area on the 2020-2025 middle-term strategy. Why is our priority is not uh, uh, having and targets in both the strategic plan and the APP of the Department of, Educa of Higher Education and, Tech and Training and NSFAS. And between Department of uh, Higher Education and, and Training and also on NSFAS, who is responsible for the implementation of these uh, targets. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much. Very exemplary, Honorable Tuli. Honorable Maleka. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I want to check with the department what the reason reasons for adding a six, uh, sub program National Artisan Development to Program Five Skills Development. And my last question is on uh, university education. There has been an increase in the number of targets from nine in. 2019-2020 and 2020 budget 
financial year 2013. In 2020 and 2021 financial year, what are the reasons? This program continues to receive the bulk of the budget. What are the reasons for not increasing the allocations for TVET and uh, CET? Thank you, Mr. President. Okay. Thank you very there much. Yeah, after I've closed, uh, but it's fine. I'll give you one minute, Honorable Dongeni and Honorable Itzia. You can go ahead, Honorable Dongeni. And that is. Uh, okay, thank you, sir. Okay. Yeah, you can go ahead. Okay, my question is on the skills development. The department didn't give the budget for skills development. It's so little. They they can't consider it again because the skill development is the they are the needy one at this present moment. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. One minute, Honorable Litsia. Last 30 seconds, Chair. Um, three 18 DDGs with the department and uh, with Dr. Masobo, they haven't been acting for 10 years. What is the plan of the department in stabilizing and appointing substantive uh, DDGs instead of acting? Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. Very exemplary. Uh, can we get responses, DG, in the next eight, eight minutes and then we wrap up? Take two minutes to wrap up. Uh, maybe just talk to us whether you intend to revise the APPs that has been submitted in view of the budget cuts. Uh, the question of the, of the revision, uh, Chair, is quite given in the circumstances, but will actually be guided in respect to the processes by the Department of Planning. Uh, just in the, the switch on your camera, DJ. We can't see you. Oh, thank you, Chair. No, yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying, Chair, the question of the revision uh, of these documents, uh, it's a matter that is going to be engaged with the DPME because as a result of COVID 19. There are quite a number of changes, budgetary and other related aspects. So it's a question which uh, is going to be considered in due process guided uh, by PME. Uh, at this stage, I would like to call perhaps uh, Aruna if she wants to say anything, Dai and Mashobo, then we, we wrap up from our side, uh, Chair, lastly. Aruna, you want to say something? Perhaps just on one thing, uh, DG, in terms of the expansion of Wi-Fi for Tibet students, that is very much a project, as we know, already with the Sanren, it's in progress. So that is already attended to and coupled with devices, the project that we have. It's certainly going to address that gap for Tibet college students. Thank you. Uh, Dai? Thank you, um, DG. I think the, the one issue that was brought up that I might be able to respond to is the one about um, the policy for NISFAS students in the future. 
um, and also relates to this issue of the of the devices. Um, at the moment, the policy does allow students to utilize their learning materials allowance for um, for devices and so on. Um, but what we will have to be looking at this year, and we've already agreed we will do, is to make it something that's uh, more a managed process, looking at how NISPAS students can get access to devices in the future, as well as the right kinds of electronic um, learning uh, support materials together with their devices. So that will be something that will be in the policy changes for the guidelines um, for 2021-22. Thank you, Gigi. Mr. Mvalo? Yes, there was no pressing issue for uh, skills development except the question that was asked around uh, artisan development. Of course, we know that uh, it's a priority of government in terms of the national skills development plan as well as in terms of the national development plan. So that was the area I could hear quite very well. I heard as well, of course, the issue of uh, uh, under budgeting of skills development. And I must say, uh, so far, uh, so good with the budget that we do have, Chair. No, th th thank you very much, Chair. If I may just uh, take up issues, Chair. Uh, in respect to the budgeting and gender-based violence in the system, in all our institutions, uh, we have put measures in place in respect to training, establishment of facilities, and also support that is given uh, to any student who may become a casualty of such gruesome act. And uh, in terms of general support, starting from enrollment, uh, you may see that, teacher, that the, the, the most uh, enrollment numbers in our institutions are more women now uh, than uh, men. And it's a matter that is not happening quite deliberately. It's as a result in the main biasness towards uh, women in the system and also in our society, recruitment from uh, schools, you know, etc., and the appetite that they have uh, in so far as the getting through the system quite early. They are recording a higher pass rate even than men in the system, you know, already. And our funding across is biased towards women. I don't think that one we should underscore. The staffing of South African universities, uh, this one is informed by the scientific study that has been conducted, which is inclusive, all institutions in the country, where there is a need uh, to increase the participation, especially by black and women in the, in the system, uh, in lecturing, and in other forms of engagement in the system. It's not done with a view of discriminating, but it's done with a view of strengthening and empowering the system. And it's a matter 
which is not an imposition. It comes out of the acknowledgement of the gaps that need to be filled in the system uh, in consultation and engagement with our institutions. Uh, lastly, Chair, in respect to the establishment of the new uh, institutions, the, the institution that gets established is always based on the feasibility study. Okay. Can you, it, that question was asked by Honorable Gates to the Minister, so it will be sent to the Minister and then the, the responses will be circulated. Deal with the acting positions in the department as the last question. Uh, the, the minister has indicated that uh, these posts uh, needed to be advertised. I think the lacuna was uh, struck by this COVID-19. Uh, but now, as we are getting into motion again, it's a matter that is going to be prioritized for addressing. Thank you very much, Chair. Okay, thank you. Is it true that the DDG for CET has been acting for 10 years? DG? Uh, that that, that, that branch uh, was established, I think, in, 20, in 2015. That is CET branch, because initially it was both TVET and CET. But out of the assessment and the review, it became quite clear that TVET alone is a huge responsibility. CET alone it's a huge responsibility with a candidature of about 18 million people. Then it got created uh, as from 2016. Thank uh, you. So was it, was it 10 years or was it five years? If it was established in 2015, I think it's in existence for a period of about three to four years. Uh, five years, yes. 2020 now. So the person acting now has been acting since then? Yes, sir. Oh. <clears throat> okay, but, but that's, that's, that's really very unacceptable, DG. Mm. Can't have a person five years in a position. I mean, uh, I mean, that's really very unacceptable. And I think it's going to be a violation of the, of the rights of, <coughs> of in the Labour Relations Act. So, please, this one must be I think we can have a gentleman acting there for five years. Uh, so, <coughs> I think we've come to the end of the meeting, honourable members. Uh, if there are questions that have not been answered, you will just uh, highlight it to us, to the administration, and then we will forward it to the department. Uh, thanks the Minister in absentia, um, Honorable Nchaweleng, who started with the meeting when I was being, uh, when I couldn't come in, and the, the DG and your team, thank you very much for, for coming here. Uh, I think we must, we can't belabor the point about people who are acting. How do you have a, a person acting for five years, five years in one position, acting? 
Uh, what about the question of legitimate expectations that gets created there? Uh, <clears throat> so I think it's a matter that will then follow up with it with the department. But otherwise, thank you very much, honorable members. Uh, I think the meeting is adjourned until we meet again, I think tomorrow, with the Department of Science and Innovation. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir.